second question on this. Do you feel uncomfortable when you see mums breastfeeding in public? 08459 455 555. Also asking today, football, is it too expensive for you? Have you had to cut down the number of times you go because of the, the, the rise in prices? And have you ever fancied yourself as a spy? An apprenticeship scheme is being launched at Bletchley Park today. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at BBC3CR or at Ian Lee. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. Or, and this is always the preferred method of getting in touch. You can give me a phone call. Good old-fashioned phone call, innit? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, when you had your children, you may have found it easy to breastfeed, or it may have been incredibly difficult and you felt under too much pressure. Well, millions of pounds could be saved by the NHS if more support was given to mothers to breastfeed their babies. That's according to the children's charity UNICEF. Their research suggests that raising the level of breastfed babies in Britain would reduce levels of illness in later life and so save the health service millions of pounds. BBC Three Counties reporter Sophie Solario has been to a breastfeeding group in Leighton Buzzard to see what the mums there think of these claims. Just get him out and feed him. There we go. Yes, and he's straight on, which is great. Was it difficult to get Oscar to breastfeed? It was. It didn't come naturally. I, I thought it would. You know, you go to the classes and um, I watched a video where the baby sort of crawled to the breast and instantly latched on. It didn't happen like that at all. Um, and we really struggled for the first week. Did you feel the pressure to breastfeed when Oscar was born? Any pressure I felt was really pressure from myself rather than from anybody else. And that was the main thing. I wanted to give him the best um, best start I could and um, give him you know, my immunity. And, and that was really important to me. Hello. Amy's nearly six months. She's exclusively breastfed. So. I, I knew I wanted to breastfeed anyway. Amy's my second child. I've also got um, a two-and-a-half-year-old boy who I breastfed till he was 18 months old. 18 months old. That's a fairly long time to breastfeed a baby, isn't it? It is. I would have done it longer if I'd not already been pregnant with her. <laughs> so well, did he just not come off? No, he didn't want to. You know, put any, any additives into your child. It's, it's healthy for them. Did you find the NHS supportive when it came to breastfeeding? I thought, I think they would, they would like to be. And I thought I found everybody very helpful, but they just don't have the time. In the hospitals, after you've had your baby, they're rushing around. They've got so many mothers to see. They haven't really got the time to sit with you. And especially when you come back out into the community, the, the community midwives, they would help you get the baby latched on and then have to go. There was no consistent help. Little Harry, he's loving a little kickabout. <laughs> How old is he? Um, he'll be six months um, next week. And you're still breastfeeding as yeah. a mum? Yeah. Did you ever feel the pressure as a mum to have to breastfeed? I have to say, I had a, a strange experience in the hospital where I had a, a bad night on the second night where he was just constantly feeding. And I was a bit surprised that a midwife, a couple of midwives said to me, well, there's always formula. And they seem to offer that quite quickly. Um, and people who've heard of that since have been quite shocked that that was, well, if you're struggling with breastfeeding, rather than persevere, they were like, well, it's the middle of the night, have some formula. Um, had it been that I'd have said yes, he'd have been a formula-fed baby by now. And I don't think there were enough midwives to support you if you were struggling to breastfeed. 
Well, there you go. I have mixed feelings listening to that, and maybe I'll divulge some of them in a bit. Kitty Webber is from Leighton Buzzard. She breastfed her three children. She joins us now. Morning, Kitty. Good morning. Was was breastfeeding the only way forward for you and your kids? Um, definitely, from my personal opinion. Um, that's exactly what I wanted to do with mine from day one and had only intentions of breastfeeding. Why was it so important to you? Um, I think because not only is it obviously the best start for baby, but it's also for mums as well, the, the health benefits in the future. Um, you know, for different cancers, it can help fight against those. Um, non-obesity in children as well, and it's just quite keen for me to make sure that I give them the best. And also, I look after myself, because I need to be around for quite a few years to look after them. Yes, they're, they're, it turns out they're quite hard work, isn't it? How, how old are your kids? Um, I've got five, three, two, and nine months. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're able to talk to us at ten past six in the yeah. morning. You've not slept. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you, you, I think you heard the audio we just played there. One lady practically passed a bottle by the midwife after a bad mm. night's sleep. Have you heard of that happening before? I have, and unfortunately, um, I also, too, trained as a peer support worker. Mm. Um, I'm not currently working for them voluntary at the moment, but we'll be looking to go back into it. But um, with my fourth, I actually, when I went to see the midwife within the five days after having her, um, a midwife explained to me that my baby was losing weight and I needed to top her up. And when I asked her what she meant by top her up, she said, well, um, you know, perhaps you should give her a bottle just to fill her up because obviously she's not getting enough food. Um, to my disgust, obviously, as a new mum, you kind of think, oh, my goodness, I'm not doing the best I should be for my baby and I can't feed her. And so I kind of came out of there and I rang another midwife and I explained, you know, what had been said. And she was really disappointed that somebody in their team had actually suggested that because it's not all you needed to look at, which I know as a peer supporter, is I wasn't actually latching her on properly. So she wasn't getting a proper feed. Mm. That's why she was losing weight. It was nothing to do with the fact that you know, she wasn't substantial enough fed with my milk because she wasn't getting the right feed, how she was latched on. And obviously, new mums wouldn't know that. There are, and I have encountered them with my first boy, there are the breastfeeding fascists, though, Kitty. We, my wife mm. struggled with our, with our first boy. He would not latch on. And mm-hmm. it, we had to start... The only way we could feed him was with a little um, syringe. and We would alternate, and we would mm-hmm. feed him a little syringe. And she went to all kinds of clinics. She spent four hours at a breastfeeding expert's house. All the midwives came around. We, we went and had the underside of his tongue cut a little bit because we were told he was tongue-tied. Turns out he wasn't, but we had that cut. Yeah. We did everything. And uh, I think it was about three months later, uh, a midwife said, well, why don't you put him on the bottle? And no one had suggested that to us before. And we didn't know mm. that you could just put them on the bottle. And that would have saved my wife feeling so rotten, all of the mm. effort we are putting in, and would have been better for the boy. Mm. Uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their own point of view and everyone's entitled to feed their baby how they wish to feed their baby. Likewise, you know, everyone will bring their children up how they want to bring them up. Um, from my point of view, I've worked with some women that um, found it really hard to breastfeed and persistence has paid off with some of those. It doesn't always pay off, does it? It hasn't. No, some of those it hasn't worked with and there is a really small percentage of women that actually cannot breastfeed and it, I think it's only around about 2% um, and most of those are because of medical reasons but also sometimes the babies, the babies just won't do it, the babies just won't take it there's this, there's this kind of myth that all babies will take to the breast and they don't all take to the breast 
from my point of view as a mum, I have been able to see all four of my children. I have experienced difficulties, um, but I've kind of made sure that from my point of view, because I was so strong about wanting to breastfeed, that that was what I was going to do, and I was going to make sure that I did that. Um, Yes, I've had sleepless nights. Yes, I've had screaming babies. Um, but it's paid off in the end for me. And well, I, I suggest you've been very lucky and, and, and well done. But but not all babies, I think, will go for the breast. And I think that, that there is a lot of pressure on some women uh, to, to, to do that. Kitty Webber, thank you very much. She's from Leighton Buzzard. She's fed her children uh, via the breast. Later on in the programme, we'll be speaking to the National Childbirth Trust and Zoe Williams, the Guardian columnist, who thinks that the UNICEF report is over the top. They'll be speaking together after seven. Uh, did you find, as a, a mum, a lot of a lot of pressure? My wife felt terrible because the, the, the first boy just would not take, and and she spent with, you know a couple of months trying to get him to take to the breast. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. And do you are you offended by breastfeeding in public? There's a lot of pressure on mums, I think, to breastfeed, and maybe too much. And yes, of course, generally feeding by the breast. It's generally the best thing to do. It's not for everyone. And if your kid won't take to the breast, then there's no harm in feeding from the bottle, is there? So it's Kitty there who seemed to kind of suggest that, that if you try hard enough, every baby will. It's not, it, it's not true. It's not true. 08459 455 555. Uh, I'd love to hear uh, if you struggled with breastfeeding or if you found it a piece of cake and if you see someone using a bottle, then shame on them. Also, can we find the oldest child that breastfeeds? We heard in that report from Sophia about 10 minutes ago, 18 months old. Um, that makes me slightly uncomfortable. I've heard of children as old as three breastfeeding. That, no, 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 no. Oh, no, that's wrong. We're living, in, we're living in the 21st century. Someone from another, not only another country, another continent has contacted the show. Ian, just wanted to say good morning this late evening from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. That's, that's like uh, uh, the second America. Oh, no, hang on a second. They don't like that, do they? It's always special when I'm able to listen to the local BBC from my birthplace in Luton. Have a great morning. You've been there too long, Gurdeep. Have a great morning to all my fellow Lutonians. How cool is that? Someone's listening. Do they not have decent radio in Canada, Gurdeep? Why why on earth would would you listen to this tosh over there, for goodness sakes? But thank you very much. It's appreciated. If you want to send an email from around the world, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Here's them Bee Gees, isn't it? It's the Bee Gees, staying alive. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Or you can text 81333, starting your text, 3CR. Plenty coming up on the show. Thank you, Phil. Now, you may find it's just too expensive to go to the football. As you know, I'd, I've never been to a football match. I'm going to go with Justin Dealey at some point. I'm hoping we get free tickets. What with us being celebrities? I'm joking. Uh, but uh, it, it does seem quite expensive. The average cost of the cheapest adult ticket in the top four divisions has risen by more than 11%. That's according to figures compiled by BBC Sport. In the three counties, the picture is slightly different, though. The most expensive ticket to see the MK Dons has gone down by £3. The cheapest ticket at Wickham went up by £2, but the cost of a cup of tea has gone down by 50p. That's a bargain. 
At Watford, tickets are the same price as last year. £26 for the cheapest, £31 for the most expensive. It still sounds very expensive to me. Professor John Fowle is chair of the Watford Supporters Club. Good morning, John. Morning. Uh, Watford charges 31 quid for their most expensive adult ticket now, same as last year. It's still, as someone who doesn't go to football, it still seems pretty expensive, John. Well, it's one of the difficulties. Um, There's such a range of ticket prices. When you look at the most expensive, uh, clearly it looks a lot worse than if you look at the other deals that are available. If you're a season ticket holder, i.e. you go regularly, then clearly you get a much better deal. How much is a season ticket? My season ticket is 300 and something, and I get a pensioner rate. Oh. Uh, And uh, my friend that I take, young lad that I go with, um, his is just over, is about four hundred and thirty pounds. Okay. I can't remember I'm, exactly. I'm a dad. I got two two boys. I want to take them, me and them, to the football. How much will that cost me? Right. Well, it depends on the day that you go. If you had booked in advance to go on Saturday, yeah. it's going to cost you about twelve quid per person. No, well, for the three of us. For the three of you. Hey, that's not bad. Okay. There's lots of special deals around, and if you want to go occasionally, yeah. if you pick your games, yeah. then you can get some fantastic deals, and if, that's true of if I well see, all the clubs. If I want to see Watford playing, I'm slightly out of my depth at this conversation already. <laughs> if I want to see Watford playing. The Spurs? <laughs> no, if I want to see right, Watford playing a decent team... If you're going to see the Spurs, as they played last year yep. in the Cup, yep. um, you're going to have to pay the premium rate, because... And what's that? That would be at around about £26. OK. So that's for you, and then you've got the, the prices for, for, for the children, but they're still not £26. Okay. There's quite a big reduction on them. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is that there's an awful lot of people want to go and see them play the Spurs. Of course. So it, it's the it's, same as if you go to a show. Yeah. If you go to a show and you want to go and see, or a gig, and you want to see the top bands or the top stars, yeah. you're going to pay more for it. I'm, see- I'm seeing Jennifer Lopez on Monday evening. I've paid a blooming fortune for it. I'll bet you did. Present for my wife. You, oh, you, you would have got quite a few football matches out of that. But it's different. You choose your entertainment. Yeah. Uh, but, but John, are people being priced up? Because football, uh, for a long time, was seen as, as the working man's game. And I would imagine the working man can't afford to go as often as they'd like to. Well, I think it's changed over time. I, I, it's a case of choices. I, I, I don't think it's, it's people are being priced out in quite that way. Right. I think people who want to go to, to the games and who really see that as their main form of entertainment, um, they will continue going because that, that's what they've always done. And as a proportion of their income, yeah. uh, the increase is not so great compared to, say, in the 60s and 70s. Right. But... The key is that you're going every other week. And some people, of course, the really keen people, go home and away. That's really going to cost because you've got to travel as well. But if if you're going every other week, clearly that is a much bigger commitment because you don't go to the theatre every week. John, the biggest biggest scandal. I took my mum to the theatre last week. That (laughs) That was a lot of money. The biggest scandal in Watford, though, John, come on. A cup of tea has gone up by 30 pence. Well, I... Disgusting. I, I have to say that I think some of the food prices and drink prices are very good, and some of them are not so good. Mm. So it's very, it, it, you know, it's like all of these things. It's, it's the devil and the tailor. Um, here it's high, here it's low, and so on. 
Um, so I think you've got to be a little bit careful. Mm. I do think that the clubs have to look very, very carefully. Now, Watford, for example, have sold the franchise for the catering in the ground. Yeah. And, and I can understand why they've done that. They say this is not, you know, our business is football, it's mm. not doing catering and so on. But th- there are pros and cons to these, and some clubs actually give... You know, you get really good deals on the uh, on the catering, and some of the smaller clubs, particularly uh, in the lower divisions, where um, supporters trusts and supporters clubs actually do volunteer provide volunteers mm. for, for doing the catering to keep the prices down. John, we've got to move on. Professor John Fowl, thank you. As long as you can still still get a cheap pie and a cup of bovril. That's all I know about football. The production team next door are laughing at my complete lack of knowledge of uh, soccer. 08459 455 555. Have you been priced out of football? You're lucky in the three counties. The prices seem to be kind of, you know, bucking the trend. They're going up all around the country, but seem to be kind of staying a bit lower around it. Have you been priced out? Give us a call. Across beds, hearts and bars. I apologise, I was having a chat there. It's Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. How unprofessional. I mean, yes, Catherine, I was listening to the news, but I was also having a little chat uh, with our next guest. In in a minute, you'll meet the Luton man fed up with being bullied at work and why he's taking matters into his own hands. Uh, And are you a fan of Homeland 24? Well, you can find out why an announcement being made at Bletchley Park today means your son or daughter could train to be a spy. I'm, I'm into that. Uh, we're talking as well about breastfeeding. Um, and we're kind of asking, were you... Th- th- two things on this. Were you pressured as a mum? Did you feel pressure to breastfeed your, your baby? 08459 455 555. And are you embarrassed or, or, or do you think it's inappropriate for women to breastfeed in public? Chris Knox has left... Uh, some people do. Some people do. Uh, Chris Knox has left a comment on the Facebook page. Ian, I love that people are still offended by public breastfeeding. They don't mind women uh, flaunting their breasts in public in the summer or in adverts, but when it comes to them using them for their uh, original use, it's 2012 and still so many people need to grow up. If you are offended by um, breastfeeding in public, give us a call. I won't, you know, harangue you or anything. I'm just I- intrigued to find out why. 08459 555 is the telephone number. Or you can text 81333, start your text 3CR. Now, if you're being bullied at work, you might not know who to turn to. Well, a Luton man is so frustrated with the lack of help available when it comes to being bullied at work, he's taken matters into his own hands. Peter Wakeman has been harassed in various different jobs and has now set up his own website to help others in similar situations. It's proven quite popular, apparently. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Uh, tell us about your experience, first of all, with workplace bullying. Uh, there's been a number of places where I've been bullied, um, and the job before the one I'm in at the moment, um, somebody made up something about me and mm. that was enough for them to, uh, as an excuse to throw me out the door without really a proper hearing and was, in fact i was f- frog marched off the premises uh, I without, so someone made something up yes what did they make up if you don't mind they said that they, uh, there was a breach of confidentiality right. what, what it was is uh, i sent an email from my workstation to a workstation three workstations away to somebody yep. who worked in the same organization and that apparently was a, a i won't tell you what the context no 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 were. but there was no investigation there just no. like right you're out go on that's, that's right yeah okay. and apparently this is uh, i didn't know it at the time but i've i've learned since this is uh, a method that in particular the public sector are using to get rid of people they don't want in the workplace because of uh, because of cuts and reducing staff and give us some of the examples of bullying because you are 
are a grown man, you're a big yeah. lad, you can look after yourself. People Sorry. might be surprised that you have been bullied. Yes. I mean, we all think of the word bullied as uh, something to do with um, uh, the school playground. Yeah. But it's, a, it's a lot more subtle, a lot more insidious than that. And that's why I've called the uh, uh, website Harass, because what we're really talking about is um, uh, a, a, what they call status-blind harassment. It's not sexual harassment, it's not racial harassment. It's racial... It, it, it's harassment between two people of the same kind. Mm. I, I've been mostly bullied by white uh, middle-aged men, and that's, that's what I am. Mm. Um, at, at the moment, it's not recognised in law, and that's really one of the reasons why I set this thing up, because th- there's no real support out there for people like me who have been bullied. Give I, us an I, example of what, they, of, of what they did to you. Um, the kind of things is uh, they, they nitpick, um, that they... They give you loads of work to do, and and then when you say to them you can't do that amount of work, they're going to give you a load more work on top and not wait for you to finish. Mm. Um, they set you impossible targets. Um, they, there's sometimes there's name calling, sometimes there's direct threats. It's usually more subtle than that. They, uh, it's the way they talk to people. Um, it's the way they dismiss people's concerns. I mean, I, I did make in the last place where I was bullied. I made the complaint that I was being bullied, uh, and they said, "Oh, well, no, we looked into the case, and we think the person wasn't a bully." Well, you know, <laughs> I, without giving away too much information, I have worked in a place um, underneath the bully. I quit the job yeah. because of it. I, my, my contract was going to come up in a few months. I knew they weren't going to renew it. And I just thought I cannot work with this person. Sure. And he bullied people for a long, long time. And the way he got around it was his best friend worked in the HR department. So yes. all, all um, claims of bullying would be just batted away. Oh, no, no, right. Of course, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. This was, this was years and years ago. Sure. Uh, it, that's quite common. This is very it? common, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. HR really, uh, in a lot of cases, need to, to wake up to a very serious problem. Um, there's a lot of people out there who are stressed. We're talking r- roughly about 5 million people being bullied every day in the workplace. That's costing the ec- our economy something like £18 million a year in lost uh, production. Wow. Um, and, you know, if, if something doesn't... I mean, we talk about recession and cuts and all the rest of it. Uh, it it's a way... In a way, it's inefficiency. If you, mm. if you don't have staff working to the optimum level, you're wasting money. If they're having time off because they're sick, you're wasting more money. So if people wonder where all their money's going in the economy, they've got a pretty good idea. Can I ask you a personal question, Peter? Yes. You were bullied in six different jobs. Yes, at least. Are you sure it's not something to do with you? You sure this wasn't your fault? No, because um, I've been working in temp jobs, right. and a lot of the jobs, there's, no, there's a total absence of bullying. Right. Um, in fact, in one, in one job, it was uh, full of elderly women, and they kept buying me, uh, making me lots of cakes and biscuits. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, 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 that's job. always bad. You set up a helpline in 1996. <laughs> yes. That's right, yeah, it's called Harassment at Work. And right. how successful was that? Very. In fact, it was too successful, because uh, I, I got burnout in the end. I got so, I got so many phone calls, yeah. and they were literally from all over the country, not just around here in the Bedfordshire area. Um, and some of the, co- the calls were horrendous. Uh, there was one gentleman who rang up, and he said an hour before he rang me, he tried to commit suicide. So we are talking about something that's very, very serious. We, we have a, a rising problem in this country of suicides in the workplace due to stress caused by bullying. That's inc- I, I find that incredible. I know. Isn't that the, that's the, the, the saddest thing? Yes. Uh, again, any examples of the kind of issues that, that, that... What was the most common problem that people were calling up with? I think um, the most common thing is uh, when you're being bullied and you're receiving, on the receiving end, um, it, it dents your self-esteem, your self-confidence, and you feel very much alone, very isolated. Mm. Uh, and 
most people um, are not thinking straight. They don't really know who to go to, to be honest. I mean, a gentleman um, emailed me yesterday, and I suggested he went to the CAB, the Law Centre, uh, Luton Rights, uh, and also ACAS. Mm. Uh, what, what I didn't ask him to do was to write to his MP, because that's another thing, because M- MPs will take this seriously. And what, 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 what will does. an MP do? Will an MP actually get involved? Yes, he would. My, my MP did. Kelvin Hopkins, who I'm, I'm in Luton North, he, he wrote to my previous employer and told him what, what he thought of them. Yes. But isn't the problem if you do that, this is why I'd imagine there's this culture of fear, because if, if however that complaint gets back to the boss, yes. they'll bring you into their office, That's right. say, have you been making complaints about me? And that will just increase it, wouldn't it? it? Would, yes, certainly it would, and, and, and unfortunately you would probably lose your job over it. Um, what you need to and that's do, why people remain quiet. Yes, that's right. Well, we need to break the silence. And mm. the only way to break the silence is, first of all, having a, a forum, like on my, on my website, on the one hand, and secondly, a campaign to make uh, bullying in the workplace illegal. Um, that's happened in Australia and several states. It's in- not illegal here? No. <laughs> really? Yes. I, I assumed it was. No, I mean... It, so lawyers will say um, there are ways you can protect yourself, like the Protection from Harassment Act and various things like that, but mm. it's, it's, a big, um, it's a big ask for people to mm. find out where their rights are, yeah. particularly when they're being bullied. What we need is a, 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 an Act of Parliament that just says if you're caught bullying in the workplace, you're then out. It, it, you're out and, it, and it's illegal. What, uh, what's, what's on the website? How is the website going to help people? Um, really, it's, uh, it's an idea borrowed from my wife, who do runs Departed Friend Bereavement Service. It, it, it gives the people a chance to sound off. They can write me letters, they can write me um, uh, emails, and if they wish, I can put them on uh, the, the blog so other people can read them mm. and get a discussion going between people. At the moment, there isn't anything like that. There's no interaction. Um, there are websites out there that give advice, but there's no interaction with people. Mm. So I, I'd like to see people... So kind of like a debate. support group. Yes, that's right. That's the idea. What's, what's <clears> the, the web address so people can go and have a look at it? Uh, it's um, harris2012.wordpress.com. Are you sure about that, Peter? Absolutely. <laughs> it, is, it is early in the morning. It is. Oh, tell me about it. Too <laughs> Give it out one more time so that people can have a look. Certainly. It's uh, harris2012.wordpress.com. And are you getting a lot of hits on that, people? At the moment, yes. Yeah. Yeah, quite a lot. And the papers have been interested. See, part of me wants to say you're well done, but then yes. that just means that there's a huge, horrible problem there out there. There is a huge, horrible problem. Peter, listen, thank you so much for coming in. No, it's been a pleasure. I, I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank and you very uh, much. let's hope that, that some change can be made in the law because sure. it's, it, it, no one wants to go to work dreading going to work. No, I it? imagine a lot of people at the moment listening to this are dreading going to well, work. Well, I'm sure we'll get a phone call. A few phone calls. Yes. Listen, if, if, if you, uh, you. Uh, understand uh, any of the, uh, the, the issues that we've just spoken about, then if you're being bullied at work, could you give us a call? You can use a different name if you want, don't worry, we we won't uh, embarrass you. 08459 455 555. If you've been bullied or you are being bullied at work, do give us a call. It'll be interesting to hear your story. Um, It's happened to me. It's not good. 08459 455 555. Peter, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Come on, man, it's David Essex. You've got to love a bit of David Essex. First thing in the morning... Love David Essex. I, maybe a little bit too much for my own good. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Breastfeeding, football, and bullying at work. What a packed 45 minutes. Is football too expensive? Have you stopped going, had to cut down, going, you only take one of the kids instead of all three of them? 
08459 455 555. You can also comment on the uh, Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com, have you heard of it? One of those social networking sites, very popular at the moment. It's kind of like a, a, a MySpace, but a little bit better. Um, and if you find the BBC Three Counties page, you can comment on there. Gary Henderson um, has commented, Football wouldn't be so expensive if they stopped paying overrated players. They are paid way too much. They don't love the game anymore. It's just about the money. Helen and Milton Keynes has texted, Whatever happened to Roy of the Rovers, the community sing-along and a cuppa at half-time. Ian, I know as much about the game as you, but have male friends that follow their teams and have season tickets and think it's well worth the money. Is football too expensive? I know the theatre is. I took my mum at the weekend. <gasps> it was expensive. And we got two of us got half-price tickets because she's in a wheelchair. That's, that's the trick. One, one in a wheelchair and a carer. You get tickets half-price. Just saying, you know, it works out. It's the overtones, loving the sounds. I believe that would be filed under pop in our price. Is our price still going? No, it's not. Uh, this afternoon from 12, Nick Coffer is going to be joined by arguably the greatest British boxer of all time, undefeated world champion Joe Calzaghi and his father Enzo, who was brought up in Bedford. They'll be speaking to Nick in an extensive interview, talking about their incredible journey together. Nick Coffer from 12... Always worth a listen. If you want to give me a call this morning, 08459 455 555. Are you offended by breastfeeding in public? Some people are. I'd love to speak to you if you are. I won't have a go. Just keen to know why. Do you think it should be done in private? Should be done in a, a, in a locks, behind locked doors? Shouldn't be done out in the, in the shopping centres or in restaurants or places like that. 08459 455 555. We're talking all this week about the funding crisis facing elderly care. With more people living longer and budgets being squeezed, councils are having to look at cheaper alternatives to care homes, such as retirement villages. Lovat Fields in Milton Keynes is a so-called retirement village, which is home to 340 residents aged over 55 who live independently. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, spoke to two residents there, Judy, who is single and rents, and Peter, who is married and is a leaseholder. We, we had a, a property and moved up uh, and were able to sell our own property just recently in Stanley Stratford so that we were able to make the purchase here. And it was our idea to make a purchase, not to rent. And why, why, why that decision? I think it's probably the uh, reason we bought, as, as everybody does, to have a freehold, pro- a freehold, although this is not. This is a long, long lease. Uh, so what happens at the end? I mean, you know, uh, obviously, well, we like can end. you sell it on eventually, or how no. does it work? Um, there are two of us, and one of us is going to die. And it, we like the idea of being able for that remainder to be able to stay here um, in our own property and uh, with the knowledge that when that last person died it would a capital sum would go to our, our children and it is established what that sum will be um, but that's our decision so what you've got is certainty indeed what we uh, have in, will enjoy here although we don't need any care at the moment, we know that should that be necessary, it is available and that is important to us. In our weekly charge, which we we all every resident here I believe pays, in that is is an element of care which we don't require at the moment, but we'll be pleased when it's available. 
So again, that's more peace of mind for it's you. Peace of mind. Judy, if I can turn to you. Now, you obviously like living here, don't you? Yes, love it. Just briefly, if you can, what are the benefits of living here? Well, I'm a, I'm a single person, so the benefits of a single person are even greater, I think, than the couples. Because I've got the opportunity to make friends with people that I would never meet normally. I certainly have had the opportunity to take up the care package. In fact, I came in here much fitter than I am now, which actually is a compliment to the village. Well, is the food <laughs> that good? <laughs> no, but... Um, I needed care after I'd been here about a year, and it just automatically went in, it just got started, and that was rather good, because, of course, if you live outside in the community, it's a long process before you you have all your various assessments, etc. Here we have assessments all the time. Somebody could actually be feeling unwell for a few days and request an assessment from a lady who's called a wellness nurse so she's a fully qualified nurse and then she would report back through the system that yes I think this person needs care you just wouldn't believe these places I would recommend that you you have a look like Peter it's a peace of mind that you get here by coming here isn't it yes absolutely Um, but unlike Peter you, you, you're, you're renting here, yes. aren't you? You haven't bought. It so was purely and simply a, f- a financial issue that I couldn't afford to buy, or I certainly would have done, and I guess I would have, have done now. But, but renting doesn't make me stand out from the others. I, I just treat it exactly the same, and if I have an issue, I would go to Steve or I would go to the various people Im- important yeah. here. Well, there you go. Um, 08459 455 555. We were talking about 20 minutes ago uh, about bullying in the workplace. It's on the increase. Um, and I was keen to know if it had happened to you or someone you know. Helen's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. T- t- tell me your story about bullying. Uh, it's, a, it's a friend of mine. Um, he worked for a large local authority in London. Yep. Uh, he worked in maintenance, general maintenance and stuff like that. And his supervisor was a bully and they knew about it. They, he bullied numerous people over the years. Uh, and what he would do, you know, it's, it's ringing true when the chap says, they pile you with work, mm. then they come back to see if you've done it. I mean, something like a maintenance job, first you've got to assess it, you've got to look at the job, you've got to see what needs doing. And that takes time. Well, he'd give him something to do. And then he saw, he tied around the corner and he said sometimes he could hear him sniggering. Oh, really? He, he, yeah. And, and other, you know, his colleagues, his co-workers would join in because, of course, they were frightened of the man. Yeah. You know, and, and he became so ill and we, we just couldn't work out, my, my, my girlfriend, we just couldn't work out what was wrong with him until finally he broke down and told us. He was in and out of hospital with poor health over this time. Finally, they agreed he, he should be retired sick. They had several investigations internally with the help of the union and that. And they agreed that the man was a bully. He's still in the job, mind mm-hmm. you, you know. Uh, he was retired sick. But what made it even worse is that he, he, he had to be signed off his redundancy package by his supervisor, the, the very man that had bullied him all, throughout this time. Okay. And he refused to sign it off for six months. So he wasn't getting any money for six so months? He wasn't getting any money. It does... Uh, it and it, it's, so, it's so... You know, when that chap said about local authorities, yeah. it seems to me it, it's endemic in local authorities, whether it's just the way that the management system is, is made up and... It does seem incredible, and you, you wonder what is lacking from these oh, people's lives that they yeah. feel the need to belittle and make other people's lives so miserable. They're such sad 
bad people when it comes right down to it. I mean, and, and the, what's even worse is that other people go along with it because they're frightened. They're scared, of course. And your they're friend didn't say anything. How long did your friend keep quiet about this? He kept quiet with it for about three years. Oh, dear. And he was getting worse, and, and we just couldn't understand. Because, you, know, you know, from Glasgow, he was a you know, very ebullient chap, yeah. very assertive and that. And he just got quieter and quieter. How is he now? Is he all right? He's a lot better. He's got yeah. another job and, Fantastic. you know, he's, he's really happy. Well, there we go. The, the, the story has a happy ending. Helen uh, from Milton Keynes, thank you very much. She's got a story about being bullied at work. Uh, 08459 455 555. If it's happening to you now, you can call up, you can use a different name if you'd rather. Uh, but I, I'm keen to hear about this. It seems like it's, it's an ongoing and indeed a growing problem. morning, this is Ian Lee. You're listening to BBC Three Counties Radio. And as always, it's a packed show. Lots coming up that I'd like to get your opinion on. I'll give out the contact details in a minute, but in the next hour, breastfeeding could save the NHS millions. Did you feel under too much pressure to breastfeed? And does it offend you if women breastfeed in public? 08459 455 555. Why your son or daughter, or even you, could train to be a spy? You can email 3CR at bbc.co.uk. And is it becoming too expensive to go to the football in the three counties? Maybe you've, you don't go every week, you go every other week, or you don't take all of the kids. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, when you had your kids, you may have found it quite easy to breastfeed. Or it might have been really difficult and you felt under too much pressure. Maybe you felt like a bad mum because it wasn't happening. Well, millions of pounds could be saved by the NHS if more support was given to mothers to breastfeed their babies. That's according to the children's charity UNICEF. Their research suggests that raising the level of breastfed babies in Britain would reduce levels of illness in later life and therefore save the health service money. Rosie Dodds is Senior Policy Advisor for the National Childbirth Trust and she joins me now. Morning, Rosie. Good morning. Also on the other line we've got Zoe Williams who is uh, the Guardian columnist and author of What Not to Expect When You're Expecting. Morning, Zoe. Morning. Rosie, we'll start with you. This report from the National Childbirth Trust, uh, uh, you've been involved in it, is making some bold claims on the amount of money that could be saved. Over £40 million, really? Yes, uh, it depends obviously how many women are breastfed. But the important thing is it's not putting pressure on women this is putting pressure on the health services to up their game and really support breastfeeding properly because we know that women still get inconsistent advice and a lot of them feel let down as you say by the the health service because they don't get the support they need so in the research for your book you'd question some of the figures being quoted wouldn't you well, yeah, no, I mean, I'd question almost all of them. There's a massive problem. First of all, I'd like to say I think breastfeeding is great. You know, I think it's brilliant as a, as a pastime. I think it's brilliant as an experience, and I certainly would not do it on the basis of any evidence that I bring up or any other side brings up. But the fact is that the only proven causal link between breastfeeding and any other outcome is between breastfeeding and gastroenteritis. The idea that breastfeeding um, or failure to breastfeed causes breast cancer is incredibly vexed, and nobody says that as a, as a determined outcome. You know, it's got there, there are kind of some studies say it does. There's a huge lack of evidence. There's a huge lack of evidence confounding for other factors. 
So the idea that you kind of determine that this result has happened, then put a price on it, then say we could save the NHS that much money, is kind of factually wrong. Rosie? Well, I'm surprised that Zoe can put herself up against uh, uh, several universities and um, academics who've spent their whole life researching this sort of thing. Well, no, but you don't have to do a kind of ad hominem attack on who's done what. All you have to do is look at the evidence. That's exactly what the um, researchers have done. Well, I mean, um, that comes as a huge surprise to me because all you have to do is the most cursory search for this and you'll see that the, the, the connections are completely... You know, nobody has managed to, com- to confound breastfeeding with the decision to breastfeed, for instance. Nobody in the terms of breast cancer has managed to determine whether the things that put people off breastfeeding are features of their breasts, which might then lead them to get cancer in later life. And if you suddenly found a way to actually distinguish between those two features, I'd be incredibly surprised. I'm surprised they didn't make the news. Rosie, the, the, the evidence isn't there, according no, to Zoe. Well, the, um, it's like climate science. You know, 99% of scientists are absolutely convinced by this evidence. And um, I don't think it's helpful to parents to argue the details. Um, well, no, what, what's like important is that the health service isn't providing the support that they could and society doesn't support breastfeeding. And we know that most women do want to breastfeed. Around 80% of women start, and yet within the first six months, more than a third of them have stopped, and 90% of those women would have liked to carry on. Rosie, what kind of support is is lacking at the moment? It's the accurate information about what really helps to get breastfeeding off to a good start. So, you know, if babies are more likely now to be kept skin-to-skin with their mothers, and that makes a, a big difference. But if you're told you must feed every however many hours, that is completely outdated information, for instance. What you need to do is respond to the baby and feed well, them when they're hungry. Can I, can I cut in with of that? Of course you can cut in. I mean, I don't know when you last had a baby, but I've never, ever come across health advice that tells me how often per hour to feed a baby. I mean, all the health services are completely rigorous in suggesting breastfeeding. So, and I'm not against that. I think breastfeeding is great. But I do think that you owe it to women to give them accurate information rather than didactic information. Exactly. And if accurate we can go back to climate change for a second, it's not just the opinion of 99% of climate change scientists. It is established scientific fact, which makes that the exact opposite of the case for breastfeeding and health benefits. Zoe, do, do you think, Zoe, that there is perhaps too much pressure on women to breastfeed? That some of them, I, I know, for example, that my wife with our first boy, she, he would not take to the breast and she tried everything. She spent four hours at a breastfeeding expert's house having being manhandled. Yeah. Uh, she went to clinics. We had uh, his tongue cut a little bit so it would be easier. And only three months after that did one of the midwives go, you could give him a bottle, you know. Yeah, and I just, mean, that was such a relief to her because she felt like a bad mum. Well, look, I think the point is, is that the health benefits have been so overstated by so many agencies that women genuinely think they're bad mothers mm. if they can't do it. And actually, you're not a bad mother if you don't breastfeed. It's a personal choice. Absolutely. And whatever it's improves the choice. relationship between you and your baby, that's what you should do. Rosie, yeah. it's a personal choice. No, I absolutely agree. It's a personal choice. No one should pressure women to breastfeed. They should get support with whatever their choice is. But what we know is that across the world, 99% of women or more can breastfeed. And so it's not that, that women can't. It's that they're not getting the information that they need right at the beginning. But sometimes the babies won't take to the breast, will they? Everyone says, oh, it's a natural thing. And with the second boy, it was. Within minutes, he was there. The first one just wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. That 
there, there may be factors that, that make a difference to that, but um, as I say, it depends how the baby is, you know, skin to skin. We did, so, but Rosie, we did all that, and we, we did that, and we've all seen the videos in the NCT classes of the baby kind of nuzzling his way up to the breast and, and just going for it. And the, the, first, the first boy just would not do it, and none of the midwives, none of the, the, the healthcare workers, the experts could get him to do it. So some babies just don't want to. But they are hungry, you know, as you say, he, he took to the bottle. Yeah, but look, I mean, the fact is, and, you, and, and midwives would admit this privately, that breastfeeding is not a perfect solution. Not all babies manage it. And in the olden days when, when bottles didn't exist, a lot of babies died. So, you know, we, we've got to be realistic. If it's not working out, then it's not working out. Rosie, did you not think that there is maybe too much pressure on mums to breastfeed? I absolutely agree. There shouldn't be any pressure. Yeah. There's, there's enough guilt about parenting around without anyone else adding to it. Well, then if we can return to the study, telling mothers that they're costing the NHS X number of millions of pounds by not doing it, don't you think that pressure It's not about telling mothers what to do at all. It's about encouraging and informing the health service and other government services that they should provide support because that isn't happening across the board. Well, to be honest, I'd be incredibly surprised if I came across an NHS trust that didn't already have a breastfeeding policy and a very pro-breastfeeding policy. Is it not the case, Rosie? Well, again, maybe we were just lucky in the hospital where we had our boys, but we were given leaflets, we were given phone numbers, we were given addresses of support groups to go to for breastfeeding. Does that not happen all the time? No, it's not universal, but, I mean, it's really good that there is that support Mm. there. But, you know, the debate that you were talking about earlier, for instance, breastfeeding in public places, you know, should that still be an issue in this country? Because we've got a law that tells women... Um, that they're entitled to breastfeed without being discriminated against, and yet they're still not confident about going out. So, have you come across the the the, the, the whinges about breastfeeding outside? Well, I mean, um, nobody's ever nobody's ever looked at me askance, but then I do live in London, so <laughs> <laughs> anything goes in that. Listen, we have to move on. Rosie Dodds, the senior policy advisor for the National Childbirth Trust, and Zoe Williams, who's a Guardian columnist and author of What Not to Expect When You're Expecting. Uh, thank you very much for that. Two very different views there. Um, how much support is there for new mums? We were lucky. We had our boys in London, and uh, maybe it is slightly different there. Um, but we kind of had lots of support. Uh, and there does seem to be a hesitancy from Rosie and from the, the, the caller we had on earlier on to accept that perhaps some kids, some babies, don't want to breastfeed they won't go for it i know what i meant to ask them and i forgot to ask them how what what what, what age should you stop breastfeeding because you I, I have seen three-year-olds oh that's not right at all is it oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number as a mum did you find you had enough support for breastfeeding or maybe too much the breastfeeding fascists as they were referred to uh, did, did they kind of get you down? My wife felt terrible for the first few months. Felt absolutely terrible. Um, because uh, the, the baby wouldn't breastfeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number uh, this morning if you want to uh, give us a call. Now, we've been asking this morning if it costs too much to go to the football. Well, we sent our reporter Justin Dealey out to speak to you and find out what you thought. Ian, you're a Coventry fan, but you have been to some of the the local grounds around this area. You've been to Luton, you've been to Watford. Now, you don't think that the price of going to a football match is actually too expensive, do you? No, no. I, I agree with the price that's on the gate. 
that's, that's what I'm willing to pay. So, if you're going to go to a Coventry game this weekend, yeah. how much do you pay to go in? Twenty-two. Twenty-two pounds still. So, by the yeah. time you paid for that, your program, your burger, your drink, it's still yeah. an expensive day yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, we make a day, make a good day of it. Yeah. But you're quite happy with those prices. Yeah, well. I've I go to the game. I don't take none of my family, so I'm at the game by myself. So uh, right. I suppose it is pricing out family people, like, yeah. you know what I mean? But so you have to go on your own because of those prices? Yeah, I'm happy to go to the pub and uh, go on the game from there. So you're a Manchester United fan. Do you feel like you've been priced out of the game? Yeah, I think I do, definitely. The last time I uh, went to a game, uh, I actually took my kids, and it was like going away for the weekend. That's how much it yeah. cost, and that was just for one day. It's incredible. And your brother-in-law is a Huddersfield Town supporter. They've recently gone up to the Championship, so they've jumped leagues, which means obviously a jump in prices, and and they're finding it hard as well. Yes, they are, definitely. In fact, I think they've just given up one of the season tickets for the kids, and they share it now. Malcolm, you're a season ticket holder at Chelsea. How much does that season ticket cost you? It's about two grand for the basic coverage. And that's basic, £2,000. Would you ever give up that season ticket? All the time I can afford to do it, I'll, I'll carry on doing it. Because some people may say, well, blimey, £2,000 a year, I mean, just how much further can you go? Well, it depends how hard you can work, innit? If I wasn't working, maybe I wouldn't do it, but yeah. all the time I can afford to do it, I'm in a position I can, I will carry on. So, so next year, if Chelsea say, OK, we've had a, another great season, we've won the Champions League again, it's now going to be £2,500, you would keep the season ticket, you'd just work a bit harder? Yes. I don't think it'll go up because it hasn't gone up in the last couple of years. They've held them, you know. I think they're, they're conscious of the fans and putting the price up to it, and they're delivering because like, last year we won the Champions League. So mm. you, you, maybe you are getting value for money. I was going to say, I'm, I know that you love Chelsea, but when you walk in, do you often feel being ripped off here—the price of a ticket, a program, burger, a drink. Do you just feel like you're being ripped off? No, no, probably not. Fascinating. I'm isn't not, not going to, you know, I go there because it's it's. Mm. It's my religion, I suppose. Yeah. And you've got that fear that if you gave up that season ticket, it would take you years to get it back. You'd be on a waiting list. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to earn that. Probably take two or three years to get back to where I am now. Yeah. So I'm not willing to give that up. £2,000 into the pockets of millionaire idiots. Wow. Never fancy being a spy. Yeah, of course you have. We've all wanted to be spies, haven't we? Well, the government is launching an apprentice ski- apprenticeship scheme for spies. The Foreign Secretary, William Hague, will give details of the plan during a visit to Bletchley Park today. Also, while he's there, he's going to announce funding to help save some huts at Bletchley Park where Alan Turing and other codebreakers worked during World War II. Professor Barry Cooper is a professor of pure maths at Leeds University and an expert on uh, Alan Turing. Good morning, Professor. Uh, good morning. Remind us why Bletchley Park is so important. Well, Bletchley Park, uh, of course, played a huge role in the uh, Second World War. Um, there was something like 10,000 people were working there, all, all in secret. And uh, they say that the, the war was probably shortened by something like two years by the uh, contribution that people at Bletchley Park <coughs> uh, made. It was, uh, it was all based on uh, technology, and it's very relevant to what's happening today. Uh, and is it important, do you think, to preserve these buildings? Should we be, be treating these with re- this kind of respect? Well, yeah, I, I think the, 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 this heritage is, is kind of, uh, it, it is a remarkable story. It's very interesting to people today. And uh, it, does, it does relate very much to the kind of uh, world that we live in now. In fact, Bletchley Park... Uh, played a big role in the creation of the uh, the cyber uh, world that we now live in. 
Well, the Foreign Secretary, William Hague, is going to announce today the, the need for modern-day codebreakers and a new cyber apprentice scheme. Is it something that we still need in, in 2012? Well, I, I do think so. I think it, it is a technological world that we live in, and uh, there are many, uh, there are many uh, dimensions to the, the kind of uh, uh, competitive um, uh, role that we need to uh, fulfil nowadays. There's a, the, the technology and the, uh, the, the cyber dimension is, is, is really important, as, uh, as the, the news uh, daily tells us. What would a modern-day codebreaker have to do, do you think? Um, well, I think they need to uh, they, they need to be able to think. Uh, they need to be able to uh, uh, deal with the technology, and um, th- th- they need to um, they, they need to think out of the box in the, in a sense. Right. They, they need to they need to be ready to uh, deal with unexpected uh, uh, circumstances. Professor, uh, professor, you just described me. I could, I could, you've described me, I could do this. <laughs> Would I need any special training? I mean, I can, I can do well, Facebook I, I, and set a video. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting to hear what the government's actually going to say. I, I mean, I, I think that there is, uh, the, the training and the, uh, uh, the, the, the sort of knowledge base that we're building is, is going to be tremendously important. Mm. I, I, I'm really interested to hear the details. I, I'm going down to Bletchley Park later today. Oh, fantastic to hear this. Okay, Professor Barry Cooper, thank you very much. Professor of Pure Maths at Leeds University and an expert on Alan Turing. He described me. Yes, I can set a video recorder, and I'm wise enough to set it a couple of minutes before the programme starts, just in case the clock isn't accurate. Yeah, I can do that. I can work some of the features on my iPhone 5. I can't send a picture message yet. They've not set that up. They've not set that up for me. Imagine that. I've spent all this money on a blooming phone, and it can't do something as simple as send a picture message. Rant over. Um, Facebook. You can go to facebook.com, find the BBC Three Counties page, and you can leave comments there. Fifi has commented, got kicked out of a fast food restaurant for feeding my baby, even though I asked permission before I ordered. Mind you, it was 16 years ago. I, I think you could still get kicked out of some places today, Fifi. And um, you could still get dirty looks. There are people that disapprove of it. And it's generally older women. It's not the men. The men kind of don't have a problem with it, I, I think. I could be wrong. Uh, but it's generally the women who are a little bit down on breastfeeding in public. If that's you, could you be brave enough to phone us up this morning and just say, do you know what, Ian, I think it's disgusting that women breastfeed in public. I, I, I think it's inappropriate. Whatever you feel about it, could you give me a call? 08459 455 555. Ree has texted about breastfeeding. 81333, starting her text 3CR. I totally agree with what you said about your wife trying to breastfeed your son. The first one wouldn't take. first one wouldn't take, and she felt awful. Re continues, I have four boys. The two middle ones were breastfed. They were not getting enough milk from me, and with both of them, I had to put them on formula milk by the time they were ten weeks old. I felt like I had let my babies down. The health visitor, no help at all. She made me feel even worse about it. She was telling uh, me about mums that can feed their babies for a couple of years. I didn't need to hear that. Uh, thank you, Re. Also, we're trying to find the oldest baby that's been breastfed. I say baby... You sometimes hear of toddlers being breastfed. I think once teeth are involved, that's kind of nature's sign to say, maybe, maybe you should slow down a little bit on the breastfeeding and start introducing the bottle. Not every baby wants to do it. Not every baby will do it. And, and, you know, there is... Listen, of course breastfeeding is best. If it works. We can go now to uh, Teresa Donoghue. Teresa or Teresa? Hello? 
Oh. Hello. Hello, is that Teresa or Teresa? It's Teresa. Teresa. Hello, Hello Teresa. Uh, you're the editor of uh, Child Magazine. What's your take on breastfeeding? Uh, I think it's got to be every woman's individual choice, mm. but obviously if there are these statistics that tell us it's so healthy, then I guess it's a bit like telling people, you know, that smoking is unhealthy, therefore giving up is a good thing to do. You know, breastfeeding is a good thing to do. It's clearly healthy. Do you think there's too much pressure on, on, on mums to breastfeed, Teresa? Because it doesn't work for everyone, does it? It doesn't work for everyone, and I think some some people do feel that they're they are pressured to breastfeed um and i think it has to be what everybody wants you know they have to do what they want what feels good for them at mm. the time is there enough uh, an, enough help out there for mums who want to breastfeed well i think there's more help and thanks to places like short start centers where you can go in and there are breastfeeding helpers there or people who know about it who can help I think, I think there's more help now than there used to be, but um, uh, I'm not a breastfeeding mum now, so I don't know right. if, that's, uh, if it's enough. I'm not sure. Uh, when, we, when we had our first boy, we lived in, in, in North London, and it, we were kind of spoilt for choice. There was every other street had some kind of breastfeeding clinic or stuff like that. I would imagine that once you get away from bigger cities, it's perhaps a little bit harder. Teresa, what age, and again, I know there's not a specific number, but what age do you think it's kind of appropriate to stop breastfeeding? Because you do hear stories, don't you, of like three or four-year-olds still breastfeeding? You do hear stories like that, but I think it's few and far between. I think most people stop breastfeeding, you know, around the year mark. And, you know, it's not for me to say what's right and what's wrong, but I think um, I think to focus on older children breastfeeding, it kind of makes people uh, perhaps look at those people and say it's not right but it's everybody's choice and if you were living in a different culture maybe yeah. you know in a different country you might be breastfeeding your child until they're you know very very much bigger so i don't know it's again it's a personal choice isn't it but 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 four years old in this country oh that's not right is it <laughs> it's not is it though Teresa? You, you come on you would see a four-year-old breastfeeding think mm, that's a bit weird I've never seen a four-year-old breastfeeding, so I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think uh, most of the time, breastfeeding still people still feel uncomfortable breastfeeding in public, mm. whatever age. And I think that's sort of the, the thing that we should be trying to move away from. That's odd, isn't it? That in 2012, well, you know, it's, it's all right to open the, the sun and see a, a, a pair of knockers in there and go whoa, but but some people still frown when people breastfeed in public that always strikes me as incredibly odd yeah i mean we're we're a parenting magazine and we ran a feature one time a couple of years ago on breastfeeding and i had another parent at my child's school come up to me and said oh i'm surprised you ran that picture of that woman and i said what woman and she said the woman breastfeeding no. i don't think that was appropriate it's the most natural thing in the world. It's the most natural thing in the world. It's an article on breastfeeding, <laughs> and it's in a parenting magazine. So, and she's a mother. Wow. So, if, if people are still thinking that it's inappropriate to see a woman breastfeeding, I think that's what we need to be fighting. You know, that's what that's what the problem is in. in in getting people to breastfeed. They feel uncomfortable doing it. Theresa Donoghue, editor of Child Magazine, thank you very much for coming on. It does seem incredible in 2012 that people frown at breastfeeding. Adam, during that bulletin, uh, did the listener will be pleased to know I've made the decision after the show, I'm going to the local cafe and I'm having some food. I'm blooming starving. 
08459 455555 08459 455555 BBC Three Counties Radio Morning, this is Ian Lee. Do give us a call. If any of the stories we're talking about this morning uh, you have an opinion on, then do give us a call. I'm really keen to speak to, to someone who thinks that breastfeeding in public is a no-no. Coming up in the next half an hour of the show, is the cost of football tickets putting you off going to see your favourite team? Uh, and a protest took place at Yarlswood Detention Centre yesterday. We speak to one of the women who took part. 08459 455 555. Now... You may find it's just too expensive to go to the football. The average cost of the cheapest adult ticket in the top four divisions has risen by more than 11%. That's according to figures compiled by BBC Sport. In the three counties, the picture is slightly different, and we're doing a little bit better here. The most expensive ticket to see the MK Dons has gone down by three quid. The cheapest ticket at Wickham went up by £2, but the cost of a cup of tea has gone down by 50 pence. So, you know, it kind of evens out. And at Watford, tickets are the same price as last year. £26 for the cheapest, £31 for the most expensive. Andrew Cullen is the executive director of MK Dons. Morning, Andrew. Morning, Ian. Uh, The the most expensive... you're, You're bucking the trend. The most expensive ticket at MK Dons has decreased from 25 quid. Why and how? Well, we, we conducted a, a review into our pricing last season, and uh, we, we do a lot of consultation with supporters. Uh, we have a supporters working group that looks at pricing with us. And one of the things that we were discovering is that because we had so many grades of games where prices changed, we had five areas in the stadium where you paid one price and then another price, and then it went up accordingly as to where you, you, your situation was in the stadium, your location, um, that it was all a bit too confusing. So we came up with a strategy that was basically to uh, say, well, football's a simple game and so are our prices um, and what we've done is um, we've, we've sort of put the four areas of the ground all at one price and if you want to sit in the premium seat you simply pay a three pound upgrade so rather like an airline um, or a hotel or something like that you know exactly what you're going to pay for each game uh, and then you pay the premium on top if you want to sit in the upgraded seat so Effectively, we've frozen the prices, uh, reduced them in some areas, um, particularly in the premium areas, and the results have been quite astonishing. So the, the cheaper seats haven't gone up in price, they've stayed the same? Uh, they stayed the same. We run 21 games where if you buy a casual ticket, uh, you pay £20, the same as last season. Uh, we run two family days at MK Dons in the season, one in September and one in March, uh, and that's a £10 for an adult and £1 for under-18s. Um, so, yes, we've we, we frozen our prices and in, and in some areas we actually reduced them. And have you noticed... I mean, it's, a, it's a big stadium you've got there. Have you noticed that by lowering the prices, more people are coming? Well, as I said, the results are quite astonishing because our season ticket base this season, um, we also, um, what I should say in terms of affordability of football for supporters, we run a 12-month interest-free payment scheme. So we have 70% of our season ticket holders uh, pay for their prices that way. So um, you, you, instead of paying £300 for your season ticket, you pay £25 a month. Um, and uh, the other thing we've done with under-18s is we've reduced the price to £24 for a season ticket in our family area and £48 elsewhere. So to £2 a month or £4 a month, because fam- um, families um, aren't buying... Families, £24, £24 pounds for an under-18 for the whole year? Absolutely, wow. absolutely. We, we had yeah, someone who's a, a yeah. Chelsea fan, he's paying two grand. <laughs> well, we're, 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 no, we're, for us, it's, we recognise that uh, you know families are buying tickets together, the, there's, a, there's a squeeze on, on, on household budgets, and uh, therefore by 
paying monthly, um, you uh, you make the product more affordable for um, for supporters to come and watch. So our under 18s have gone up by 30% this season, um, which is astonishing. Our season ticket base has gone up uh, by 10% from 5,007 to 5,000, just over 5,500. And their attendances for the first six games um, are up by 8%. Wow. Now, one of the interesting things is that the uh, East Premium area, which is our premium seats where we've offered the upgrade and reduced the price by £2, is actually up by 40%. So people are actually deciding, well, we'll pay a little bit more, have mm. some seats on the halfway line, um, which shows that, um, you know, that, uh, that strategy, I think, simplifying it ha- has worked. Would you say, Andrew, or maybe you don't have the figures, that you are, as a result of lowering the prices, you're actually making more money, if that makes sense? <laughs> Uh, sadly, that's that's not the case. The right. volumes are up by 10%. Um, yes, we are a little bit up on last year, but uh, only marginally. Right. Um, but what's important is that, uh, you know, we bring people into the stadium. We're, we're, a, still, we're still very much a young and new football club. Mm. Um, and I think it's not just about price as well. When people come, they demand more. Uh, we have to raise the bar in terms of the service that we offer, in terms of the welcome to the ground. We're very fortunate in that we have a new stadium. Uh, you know, every seat is padded, extra leg room. Um, and we have a real family feel for the occasion when people come here and that's something we have to keep working at we have to keep consulting with supporters so that we do improve um, so that price doesn't just become the sole determinant when people come to watch their, watch their football How much is a hot pie and a cup of bovril? Uh, well, the, the cup of tea is, uh, is £1.80, uh, the same as last year, but we have increased the size by uh, from a 10-ounce 10 10 ounce cup to a 12-ounce cup. Oh, you're good, so, Andrew. So uh, <laughs> that's gone up, but uh, uh, our supplier sort of uh, discontinued the, the smaller size, so we've absorbed that, that particular increase. Our pies are the same at £3. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what, do you, what do you make it? Some of the, 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 the Premier Clubs charge like 60 quid a ticket. Yeah, I, I, um, uh, you know, I think... Um, you, you look at you look at it. We're offering League One football. We're about um, they're in the situation of the Premier League clubs where they are filling their stadiums week in week out. So they, can get away uh, with they it. have they, they can get away with it. Yeah, they you know there's a demand for the product um, which currently they can satisfy. But I think that the big the big issue facing football is can you continue that? Mm. For us, it's about uh, it's still about um, you know going out to people in Milton Keynes uh, and beyond in Leyden Buzzard, Buckingham, uh, and all the surrounding areas, and encouraging people and families to come and watch their football at the price they can afford we'd be absolutely crazy if we went into that particular market andrew listen good for you well done and, and congratulations on on making the bold step of lowering the prices to get more people in thank you very much andrew cullen executive director of the mk dons it's bucking the trend the rest of the country ticket prices up by an average of 11 percent, and they're lowering the prices to get more people in that makes perfect sense to me football it, it hasn't been for a long time is it but football used to be uh, you know, the working man's game. It's not now, is it? If you want to go and see Man U or, or, or Liverpool or Chelsea, it, you, need, you need to spend a fortune, don't you? 60 quid a ticket. Are you finding that football is too expensive? Are you cutting down the, the, the number of times you go? Or are you a big supporter of Andrew there, the MK Dons, and think this is the way forward? Bring the prices down. Get more people in. Get kids in. 08459 455555. Now, we, we are bouncing around all over the place this morning. I like it when we do that. From football to breasts. 
When you had your children, you might have found it quite easy to breastfeed. Or it might have been quite difficult and you felt under too much pressure. Well, millions of pounds could be saved by the NHS if more support was given to mothers to breastfeed their babies. That's according to the children's charity UNICEF. Their research suggests that raising the level of breastfed babies in Britain would reduce levels of illness in later life and so save the health service money. BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey has been speaking to women in Milton Keynes this morning. You tried to breastfeed yourself, you couldn't, but uh, a very interesting story about your daughter-in-law. Tell us more about that. She was, she'd had, a, had my grandson and for the first couple of days she was breastfeeding quite nicely, felt she was doing okay. Then an expert came out to see her, told her she was doing it all wrong, upset her and then constantly phoned her because she thought that the baby wasn't feeding enough of her. Mm. So it put way too much pressure on her. Absolutely. Almost made her feel like a failure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So you would agree there is too much pressure on women to breastfeed then, clearly? For her, there was, yeah. 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 And she was told when she, when she was pregnant, the midwives were like, breast is best. If Basically told her that if she wasn't breastfeeding, she was poisoning a baby. Really? That, that was her exact words to me. Yeah. That she was made to feel that if she didn't breastfeed a baby by giving the formula, she was actually poisoning a baby. But it's a woman's choice. That is disgusting to, to hear that, isn't it? And it upset her, and it, uh, we had a couple of days where she was in tears really upset about it yeah i can totally understand um just lastly some people get offended by breastfeeding in public do you no absolutely not that's completely natural yeah if if you're able to breastfeed brilliant but if you can't you can't you shouldn't be pressured into doing it i do love sensitive justin he's good he's he, I, justin i think he's a great asset to this show and he's it's brilliant to have him on uh, if you're offended by breastfeeding with public do give us a call because we know that some people are 08459 455 555. Maybe you think that it's inappropriate for a woman to, uh, to feed a baby. Um, out in, you, you see it in shopping centres, in restaurants. Do you think maybe they should do it in a dark corner or they should go off somewhere and, and do it privately? Is it a private thing? 08459 455 555. You can text as well, 81333, starting your text 3CR. Uh, Esther has texted in, Ian, people being embarrassed by breastfeeding is a subject that makes me laugh. People don't bother at page three, which isn't natural. So what on earth are people getting bothered about by breastfeeding, which is completely natural? I've noticed that a lot of breastfeeding mothers are discreet anyway. Most of them are. Most of them are. And Lee from Sandy. Uh, Regarding the breastfeeding issue, my wife gave birth to our son 15 weeks ago. The birth went okay, but we had to have baby out with forceps to the result of my wife having uh, mm, a tear, yes, and stitches. She breastfed for the first 10 days, which was very hard for her as the cut and stitches were very uncomfortable. We worried the baby was not getting enough, so we decided to put our baby onto formula. Now baby is very happy and so is mum. A lot of pressure is put on mums to breastfeed, but surely they shouldn't scare mothers into breastfeeding. Uh, Lee from Saudi. Uh, Yeah, I think there is a lot of pressure, and you do hear about these breastfeeding fascists. I've met them. I've met them. Uh, And, you know, they're adamant the breast is best. And while it might be, it isn't for everybody. Not everybody can do it. There are loads of reasons why. 08459 455 555. Very quickly, let's have a very quick look at the front pages in the newspapers before we go to travel. The Daily Telegraph. MPs block details of new expenses uh, and put everyone on lowest tariff. Energy firms are told. Yeah, let's see if they do that, shall we? I had the letter today from my, uh, yesterday from my energy company. We're putting the fees up. We're putting the fees up. Thanks, guys. What? Just when I need to start using the heating a lot. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for that. 
The Guardian. Holland's stark warning to Merkel on EU austerity uh, and coalition's child poverty advisor. Bring back EMA. The Independent. PM Pre- This is an interesting story. PM pressed to come clean over secret Brooks emails. Fulloi mounts over embarrassing messages revealed by The Independent. The Times. Households to be put on cheapest energy tariff. I'll believe it when I see it. They'll find another way to get your money. Express. Statins slash cancer risk. Daily Mail. Terror of blind man tasered by police. A a blind guy, 61. The police thought he had a samurai sword. It was his white stick. They tasered him. Hmm. Daily Mirror, Brit police dig for Ben tomorrow. Squad arriving costs to hunt for boy who vanished 21 years ago. Uh, and the sun, a load of our Balkans. UEFA charge racist Serbia and England. It's all about breastfeeding this morning. Um, but apparently, according to a, a report by children's charity UNICEF, millions of pounds could be saved by the NHS if more support was given to mothers to breastfeed their babies. And I'm kind of asking today, is there too much pressure on mums to breastfeed. It doesn't work for everyone. Not every kid will take to it. And we've had a couple of callers this morning who seem to sort of disagree with me on that. But I know that our first boy wouldn't take to it in the slightest. And we we tried for ages and ages. And after a a long time, uh, a a midwife said, you could uh, try the bottle. Sorry, we can do that. No one has suggested that we might be able to do that at this age. 08459 455 555. Are you adamant that breastfeeding is best? Is there too much pressure on mums? Or do you think it's wrong for mums to breastfeed in public? Tom's from Potton in Bedford. Good morning, Tom. Hi, good morning. What's your take on all this breastfeeding? Uh, well, all I was calling out for is um, about the support and things that are offered to breastfeeding women. Yeah. Um, me and my wife are expecting our first baby in about two or three weeks' time oh, fantastic. now. Fantastic. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, um, but yeah, we recently went on a, it's about a four week course, about, not the whole four weeks, but about an hour each week on a Monday night. Was this, like, um, was this the of, NCT class? Yes, possibly. Right. It was, yeah, down, it was down at uh, the Peter Pan Community Centre in okay. Bedford. Yep. Um, and what it was, it basically just highlighted all the different benefits of breastfeeding. At no point, though, was we ever pressurised into it. Um, but, in, but what they did, it went through and really sort of gave you all the benefits and things like that and gave you a, a lot of time for the women and also the men as well to understand what needs to happen and how to all go on. Um, and it was one of the courses, we were speaking to other women where they've only had sort of hot, half an hour, an hour at the most with sort of a midwife or something like that. And you can just see where the, the struggles might come if they don't have the full support like what we got. Did you have uh, Did you have the woollen breasts? We did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've all and, had the and woolen the breasts. ones as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an odd thing, because this report says that there's not enough support, and I can only speak from my experience. We had probably too much support and too much pressure on us. We had classes, we had groups, we had uh, midwives. We had, the, the, the support is out there, Tom. Uh, it, it is, yeah. I think uh, I think they have people have to find it. Really, it's not easily given to you. I found like my wife actually had to go and look online right. uh, because she was nervous about breastfeeding. She had to, get, had to go online and find it. It was never actually given to her as an option. This course or anything like that. So, what do you think about breastfeeding in public? Do you, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I can't see anything wrong with it at all. To be honest. I know, it's, it's always struck me, and there is the, the slightly embarrassing thing, which is my problem, is keep making eye contact, keep making eye contact. <laughs> but, uh, but it does strike me as odd that some people could be offended by what is one of the most natural things in the world. 
Bonus is mentioning the thing. There's absolutely nothing uh, sexual about it whatsoever. It's a natural thing of feeding the baby, so I can't see how anybody can get offended. One of, one of the downsides of it, Tom, is that it does actually, for, for a while, I found, and I've talked to other dads about this, speaking freely, uh, it does kind of remove the sexual quality of your wife's breast if you kind of take i'm trying to speak tactfully it kind of takes away you know you see it as a functional part of the body as opposed to something to get a little bit excited about yeah tom uh, you you having a boy or a girl uh we've got a little boy on the way and everyone healthy so far Uh, yeah everything's going pretty well fantastic just on the waiting game now for him to arrive and you're going to be there for it are you oh yes tom enjoy it it's it's the it's you know it's a miracle. It is a miracle that these things happen, and it's the most exciting thing. Uh, he's going to have a baby in two weeks. How exciting is that? Uh, Sherry Healy is a journalist, mum, and a presenter of the BBC documentary, Is Breast Best? She's on the line now. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm all right, thank you very much. <laughs> what, what were your findings about breastfeeding in your documentary? Um, well, they definitely were in a line with this report that a lot of women give up breastfeeding before they actually want to. And the problem with that is that they, a lot of women are, you know, fully up to date and aware of how good it is and how important it is. You know, you hear the message, you know, breast is best. And so when you can't, you know, for whatever reason, as so many women can't, it's just so difficult, then you're, you know, the burden of guilt is great. Mm. And that really steals that beginning bit with your, as you just said now, having a baby is just mind-blowing. It is amazing. It's mm. an incredible thing. And it's so sad that so many women have that first period of having a baby kind of taken from them because they feel so guilty, so confused. It's interesting um, you mentioned that, that, that some mums can't start or can't continue because I've said that to a couple of our guests this morning and they've all kind of sort of taken a sharp intake of breath as if to say, yeah. well, no, but, but, but 99% can. I know that my wife with our first boy, he wouldn't take to the breast and we went to the clinics, we had his tongue cut a little bit, we, had, we did all yeah. of these things. She had hours with, with uh, midwives and oh. breastfeeding experts and she felt like she was a bad mum. And it was only yeah. literally a few months later, a midwife said, well, you could try a bottle. And no one up until that point had said that we could use a bottle at that age. So we hadn't. Like, I mean, it's like the devil's word. Yeah, it's the devil, actually, yes, totally. For some, for some women, it's, so, it's such a distressing time. The baby's crying, you're crying. And actually, that can take, that can relieve the mother and mm. the baby for a moment. And, and, you know, and at that point, you could maybe start to, you know, support one. I know you were talking about support that it is out there. Yes, you know, I agree with you that actually if you go and look and you, you know, investigate, and the problem is, is that a woman at that stage, it's almost like you get taken over by a mist. You've mm-hmm. got so many things to do, you're tired, you can't, you don't really, you're not really, you don't have the presence of mind to kind of Google, you don't also have a lot of time. So that, that support needs to be there right at the beginning, it also needs to be consistent. I found, and I've spoken to a lot of mothers, not just a handful, a lot of mothers, um, who said that the support they received in hospital was inconsistent. Midwives giving extremely different advice. Right, now, right. I don't know, I'd be really interested to hear from midwives. Is, is the training that they're getting, is that really substantial? Because I think the money that this report is saying that they're going to save, let's put that into really training our midwives brilliantly. So that support for the mother and the baby is there right at the start. That first, those first two days are the key that you shouldn't really, you know, if, if, if we want our mothers to breastfeed, mm. they should be leaving the hospital feeling happy, 
knowledgeable about the breastfeeding process and then there should be one-on-one care sent to them and i know that sounds extreme but you know when i when i was i had such i desperately wanted to breastfeed i had such trouble breastfeeding Mm. horrendous and we looked at breastfeeding counselors they're 200 pounds an hour we couldn't afford that so i just boshed on and i tried to google and you know but by that time i was you know it, it only takes three or four days for you to be fairly desperate so do you think in some ways I call them the breastfeeding fascists. Do you think that there is too much pressure on some mums? Oh, no doubt. Mm. Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. I think there's a lack of respect for a woman's right to choose. And I think there's a lack of going into the situation and instead of waggling a finger saying, No, oh you must or you mustn't, it's we should be going into a situation saying, Why have you chosen to do something mm. with respect? And do you have all the information? Now, if a woman has all the information about how wonderful it is, how to do it, and she still decides not to respect that, leave that alone, because there may be some deeper reasons that we can't see, and we don't have time, you know, to find out that she has made that decision. Let a woman be the mummy. Let her make her own decision. I was born, give her all the information. Sorry, I was born in 1973. My mum was told not to breastfeed. She was told no that bottle, bottles were better. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh, my goodness. The 70s were terrible. <laughs> Sherry, lovely to talk to you. Sherry Healy, journalist, mum, presenter of the BBC documentary, Is Breast Best? My mum was told bottles were better. <laughs> the 70s, as we are learning through various newspaper allegations, revelations, were pretty rubbish, weren't they? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Could we get a midwife to call in? Is there a, a, a consistency? We had lots of conflicting information from our midwives. Is there not a central school of thought? Oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. A protest by detainees at the Yarlswood Detention Centre in Bedfordshire took place yesterday afternoon. The 50 women from the Movement for Justice group are demanding to be released. They claim they were locked up with no access to water, something the UK border agency denies. Adaronke is one of those who took part. Good morning, Adaronke. Good morning. What were you hoping to achieve by this protest? We were hoping to to achieve the fact that we are not happy with the way that UKBA was uh, treating us um, about all of the census the racist and abusive detention system that we are ob- uh, subjected to. In what way abusive, Adaronke? Yeah, one is that um, they do not let us have fair hearing. They intimidate us, and then they treat us as if we are figures, as if we are no human beings. For instance, I'll give you an example. Mm. They will carry some of us to the airport naked without clothes on them. They even subject us to beating up and being handcuffed. Hang on a second. These, Adaronka, these, these are uh, incredible allegations that you're making. Let me just make sure I've got this right. You're saying that, that, that they would take you to the airport naked? Yes. And, I will give you... And beat you I will up. give you the example. Yeah. On the 15th of uh, October, a lady was taken to the airport from her room naked, and then they just dropped a blanket on top of her, and she was, in fact, injected and manhandled by many several men whilst they were taking video coverage of her. Injected with what? Do you know? Well, I do not know what she was injected with, but it was to overpower her and subdue her so that she does not scream. And this was was videoed? Yes, it was videoed by the UKBA uh, contractor. Okay, and and, uh, have you personally been beaten, Adaronke? I have not been personally beaten, but I have witnessed women 
been subjected to such treatment. And beaten with what? Weapons or, or f- kicked and punched? Like punching them, putting handcuffs on them when they go to the airport. They will beat them physically. And when these women come back, they always tell us their experiences. And it's not just one person, not two persons. And have you, have you actually seen these beatings taking place? I have not seen one okay. myself, but okay. we know that it happens. Okay, Adaronke, listen. behind closed doors. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm sure it's something that we will uh, we will look into. Thank you for that, uh, Adaronke, uh, who uh, who's complaining about the UK Border Agency. We have a statement from the UK Border Agency, which for the, the, the issues of fairness, I have to read out. Detention is only ever used as a last resort after all attempts to encourage individuals to leave voluntarily have failed. No one is detained for any longer than necessary. However, there are those who prolong detention because of their attempts to frustrate the removal process. They must take responsibility for that. All detainees are treated with dignity and respect. So two very, very conflicting stories there. You heard from Adaronke, who said that people have been stripped, injected, beaten, and the UK Border Agency completely disagreeing with that. I think it's something that we shall certainly look into uh, a little bit more. It's eight o'clock. What's going on? The show is flying by this morning. And the week is, it's Thursday. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the last hour of the show, breastfeeding could save the NHS millions. Do you feel under pressure to breastfeed? On average, it costs 11% more to see your favourite football team. Have you been put off from going? And Justin Dealey is out and about. Justin, are you allowed to tell us where you are? Oh, I think I can. I'm on the way to Bletchley Park. Uh, we're talking about this spy story. I would love to be a spy. I know you mentioned earlier on that you wanted to be a spy. Yeah. There's going to be a fight for this position. I can tell you that much. But uh, I'll be talking to Ian Standen live at Bletchley Park this morning. Uh, William Haig, he's going to be here later on. They are looking for the new generation of spies. Yeah, Justin, you have to be a good driver to be a spy, I'm afraid. Well, yes, I know. But, but let's not go there. But yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have got other other assets as well though so. oh i don't want to hear about your other assets come on it's not all james bond getting russian ladies into bed justin dealey there we'll hear more about that uh, a little bit later on as always you can get in touch text 81333 starting your text 3cr or, or give us a call 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio Millions of pounds could be saved by the NHS if more support was given to mothers to breastfeed their babies. Children's charity UNICEF have found that raising the level of breastfed babies in Britain would reduce levels of illness in later life, therefore saving the health service money. These new mums from Leighton Buzzard agree with UNICEF and believe that the NHS could have been more supportive when it came to breastfeeding their babies. They just don't have the time. In the hospitals, after you've had your baby, they're rushing around. They've got so many mothers to see. They haven't really got the time to sit with you, and especially when you come back out into the community, the the community midwives, they would help you get the baby latched on and then have to go. There was no consistent help. I have to say, I had a a strange experience in the hospital where I had a a bad night on the second night where he was just constantly feeding. And I was a bit surprised that a midwife, a couple of midwives said to me, well, there's always formula. And they seem to offer that quite quickly. Um, And people who've heard of that since have been quite shocked that that was, well, if you're struggling with breastfeeding, rather than persevere, they were like, well, it's the middle of the night, have some formula. Um, Had it been that I'd have said, yes, he'd have been a formula-fed baby by now. And I don't think there were enough midwives to support you if you were struggling to breastfeed. Joined by now by two guests, Emma White, mummy blogger, who says breastfeeding wasn't for her. Good morning, Emma. 
Good morning. We've also got Jackie Sim, who is uh, from the uh, UNICEF. She's the baby-friendly coordinator who supports mothers in beds, and she joins us now. Morning, Jackie. Good morning. Jackie, UNICEF are saying that not enough support is given to new mums to get them to breastfeed. Uh, is that right? Um, well, first of all, I don't actually work for UNICEF. Oh, I, I work for the community services in Bedfordshire. Thank so you very I work much. with the health visitors and people who help mothers after the baby's been born. Okay. Thank um, you for but that my up. title is UNICEF baby-friendly coordinator because we are are working huh? towards achieving the, the UNICEF standards. How can you have UNICEF in your title if you don't work for them? That sounds <laughs> Don't ask <fraudulent>. me. <laughs> There's okay. quite a lot of people who have that title because it's about gaining the standards of care that we give to mums in the breastfeeding world. I'm going to call myself a UNICEF presenter just because I can. Well, you it, never it, know. It might get you somewhere. <laughs> it might do. Well, it probably won't. Uh, is there enough support for mums? Well, in the community services, which is where the health is to start their care, um, we do provide quite a lot more support um, than we used to in the past times. We have um, baby brasseries all across Bedfordshire where mums can go to get help with breastfeeding. And all our health visitors and nursery nurses um, are all trained really highly so they can help those mothers in the home when they need it. Do you think that maybe there's perhaps a little bit too much pressure on mums to breastfeed sometimes? Well, it depends on how you've had the message explained to you. We all want mums to choose what, what's right for them. That's the message that we want to get out there. But we have to point out to them about the differences between breast milk and formula milk. And I think the skill of the person who explains that to you can make the difference for mums uh, making that decision. For some babies, I mean, I, I've said this all morning, but my, my first boy wouldn't breastfeed. And we did everything. We went to clinics. We, we, yeah. we had sessions. We had his tongue cut. We did all of these kind of things. And it just didn't work. Yeah. And my wife... Uh, the, the pressure was on her to breastfeed, and because she couldn't, she felt terrible. Yeah. I think it's like every other situation that you make a choice about, whether it's to vaccinate your child or any of the other things that you have to decide as a parent. When you want to do the best thing for your baby, you're really upset when you can't achieve it. And I think that's the, the, the skills around the community are making a difference to, to helping mothers be able to manage breastfeeding, get over the difficulties, which lots and lots of women have. Just going out to breastfeed in public is a trauma for some people because mm. they're worried about what might be said to them. And if we can help mothers achieve any more breastfeeding than they, than they do, because most 90% of women tell us that when they gave up, they didn't really want to give up. So they do feel as if they're guilty and they've, they've been let down in some way. But not everyone can breastfeed, can they? Either because of, of something to do with the mother or something to do with the baby. If the baby's seriously ill, you know, babies who are born very premature and um, are in special care, then obviously they are going to find it difficult. Some babies can't suck before 34 weeks, so they wouldn't be able to breastfeed. But, but even babies that were, were, were born normally and safely, yeah. not all of them can breastfeed, can they? Well, they've all got the skills to breastfeed. It's just about giving them the right amount of time to practice enough and to get doing it. And the, the mum and the baby are coordinated together. I have to, That's dis the exactly. skill bit. I have to disagree slightly with that. My wife tried for months and spent hours, four hours, at a breastfeeding expert's house. Oh, yep. And the boy wouldn't take it. <laughs> the boy. It's interesting you said he's a boy. I think we probably have more issues with boys sometimes than girls, and that's just some babies, like you said. Mm. Um, but if the alternatives for some mums, and what happens in some cases, like the special care babies or the babies who won't feed, is that the mums express the milk and they feed it in an alternative way to the baby. And that, again, is another decision that they have to think about carefully and whether they want to put all the time into doing that. Jackie, stay there. Uh, uh, Emma, you've, got, you've been busy. Six kids? I certainly have got you, six you do, children, you, do, yeah. you, you do know how they're made, don't you? 
I have no television in my house. Okay, <laughs> I see, right, okay, fine. Uh, none of your kids were breastfed, why? Um, well, one of them was. But basically, my views on breastfeeding are that forcing mothers to believe that breastfeeding their baby is best is doing nothing more than making the woman who can't and do not want to breastfeed feel bad about themselves. I was actually 19 when I had my first baby. I believed the baby, but I falsely believed that breastfeeding would make me a better mother. I hated it, and I hated doing it. I hated the feeling. I actually felt like I was a cow being milk. Mm. It was painful at times, and I actually ended up growing to resent my baby, who continuously just sucked from me. I received no support, and even my own mother-in-law at the time told me my boobs were far too small and a granddaughter was being starved. I suffered for six weeks by I switching the bottle, and I only wish I'd done it sooner. Um, thankfully, formula milk these days is getting close to having the same nutritional values as breast milk, and mothers must be respected for the choice they make. The argument that breastfeeding must make the NHS money in the long term because breast is best and will prevent illness in a child later in life needs to be compared to how many women will suffer mental health problems being forced into breastfeeding their baby. How many mothers will suffer from feelings of failure, depression, and will go to visit baby like I did? Jackie, what was your response to that? Well, I wholeheartedly agree with the pro- with the whole concept of if it's not for you, then you don't fit, you don't want any pressure to do that, and that's you know from a point of view of when you get pregnant and when you've had your baby new, and then when you move on later, then every time you have a hiccup or a problem or an issue that is personal to you, then that needs to be listened to. It needs to be handled carefully, and I think our pro our training for our staff is about breastfeeding and, and formula milk and the differences between for one part of it but the most part of it is about how we have those conversations with mums so that they feel that they've made an informed decision but that they don't feel under any pressure emma did you feel under pressure most certainly yeah definitely i mean my daughter's 13 now and i still have attachment issues with her and this all comes back to the feeling that i failed her as a mum when she was a baby not being able to feed her um obviously i had went on to have five other children um i chose to bottle feed all of them um, but my fourth baby, yet another girl actually, not a boy, was born at 37 weeks. And because she was quite early, I did, you know, I did give breastfeeding another try. Um, my husband actually felt uncomfortable about me getting my boobs out in front of others. And when we had friends or family call, I would actually go upstairs. Um, and again, I, I just didn't like the feeling. It just wasn't for me. Mm. And after two weeks, I actually went back onto the bottle. And this time I didn't feel guilty. But I did actually take key at the local playgroup. And it was there that I actually felt I was really judged when other breastfeeding mums were obviously feeding and turned the nose and looked at me and was pulled out a bottle. And I did feel slightly less adequate to them, um, but it was a case of reminding myself that I was a happy mum, therefore that meant a happy baby. Jackie, what what, what was never mentioned to us was that uh, if the the, the boy, and I'm saying the boy just because I don't want to say his name on the radio, uh, if the boy isn't breastfeeding, Mm. there's nothing wrong with using the bottle and also using pump. So he's still getting breast milk. Absolutely. uh, But it's just not coming straight from the breast. And then you can use a little bit of formula to top that up. Uh, That was never explained to us. Yeah. And I think that's the crucial part. There's there's an answer for everybody, whether it's no breastfeeding at all because they really don't feel that that's for them and that's great whether it's partial or whether it's working at it to get it right there are so many options along the way of what you can do around what you do for you know your health of your baby but it's finding the right solution and having somebody that out there that understands you is prepared to help you out with whatever you want to do and i'd like to think that 
the staff in the community services in health visiting are much better equipped now than they might have been, say, 12 months ago or 24 months ago when we weren't doing this. Thank you very much. Emma, do you want to give a quick plug for your blog? Yes, um, the real Superman blog, it's a parenting blog that offers real support to mums, and on there you'll actually see many of my Supermums, Good Morning Supermums, sharing their own breastfeeding experience, which clearly stands out even in this day and age. Okay, fantastic. Emma White, mummy blogger, Jackie Sim, uh, who doesn't work for UNICEF, but has the title UNICEF in her title. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put that in, in my job description, UNICEF breakfast presenter. Uh, we've got a load of texts. I shall read those out. Here's an interesting uh, a tweet from Teresa Mack, a lady. I was in a restaurant. This woman sat next to us was breastfeeding. Yes, I was offended, and so were my friends. Breast pump. No excuse. Let's do this thing. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I find that when I get to Thursday, I kind of just take my foot off the pedal a little bit. Look at you, look at you. You're all relaxed, aren't you? All floppy. I'm all... I am all floppy. I'm also a bit scruffy because our washing machine has died. Oh, no. I've got no clean clothes. Have you checked for bra wire? Not for a long time, no. Well, I used to live... Uh, many years ago, I lived with a girl called Natalie. Yes. And uh, she was very buxom. And her bra wires were forever coming out and oh. lodging in our washing machine. Oh, it used to break sense. the thing. So always check for a bra wire. That's my advice. I will have a little uh, the fumble around this afternoon and see if I can find one. OK, good. What's on the show this morning? On the big phone in today from nine, do you trust the police with weapons? Oh, this, ah, this is interesting. Going to be discussing this. Uh, you, you've heard about this. This is the, the blind fella, yeah. Yeah, Incredible story. Police have apologised to a blind man who was hit with a taser after his white stick was mistaken for a samurai sword. Incred- he's 61 years old, this guy. Very easy mistake to make. Of I mean, these, uh, these white sticks, they look just like samurai swords, don't they? 61-year-old Colin Farmer, who has had two strokes, said he thought he was going to die when he was electrocuted with the taser. He'd been on his way to meet some friends in the pub in Chorley in Lancashire. The incident has been referred to the Independent Police Complaints Committee. Mm. Well, about a month ago, I was discussing on the big phone in the idea of arming the police. Mm. Lots of the listeners were saying, absolutely, we need to arm the police. Our police are just not adequately uh, um, armed to deal with today's kinds of criminals. Mm. Well, does this change your mind? Do you trust the police with weapons? Imagine if these police officers had a gun, they might have shot him. I want to hear from you at nine today. Do you trust the police with weapons? Also, have you been on the receiving end of the police where they've perhaps also made very bad judgment? Mm. Uh, I mean, even with their batons, have they smashed you over the head with a baton? Perhaps sprayed some mace in your eye? I like the way you're miming each weapon as you talk about (laughs) it. Well, yes. I'm just wondering if there are people who've, you know, they've been maced when they were just popping down to, to Costco. I want to hear your views at nine. Do you trust the police with weapons? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's the big phone in. I thoroughly enjoyed your show yesterday, Thanks. particularly the caller in the consumer hour who um, had uh, his carpet scissors. Um, were confiscated or something from his, his thing. And he, he was going, oh, yeah, I've got a friend who brought a shotgun over once. You can take nunchuckers, everything. Uh, apparently, Knuckle take, dusters, apparently. He apparently could take them to Thailand on an aeroplane. I don't, don't <laughs> follow this as definite advice, dear listener, because I'm suspicious. <laughs> he, but he was adamant. And it, what a strange setup. His, his wife and f- children and grandchildren live in Thailand. And he lives here, making and the money. He sees them two or three months a year. Yeah, but he said they've, uh, they've been together for 32 years. What's the problem? 
fascinating. I mean, in some regards, it sounds like the perfect relationship to me. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Ash, be listening, Jonathan. Have a good show. Thank you. Jonathan Van Smith at nine o'clock. If you want to have a listen, we've got a few texts here on breastfeeding before we do the weather. Uh, Ian, there is too much pressure, says Karen, uh, put on mums to breastfeed. I was lucky. I could breastfeed and I used to have enough milk to freeze too. Ooh. Uh, I've had several friends who'd gone down breastfeeding route and their babies lost so much weight and were permanently hungry. Uh, you do what's right for you and your baby. If a bottle of formula helps them to get through the night longer, then go for it. Um, Judy says, in one hospital, the nurses made the mothers feel uh, bottle feeding feel guilty. When they brought the babies in at feeding time, they would hand the baby to mother and sarcastically say, here's your bottle-fed baby. That's from Judy. Um, Sophie says, I don't know if you've mentioned it, but Luton has a breastfeeding support service. I'm a breastfeeding support worker. We support women antenatally and postnatally. We visit mums at home until their babies are four weeks old. Um, you know, I've got three children, and as a result of trying to breastfeed, I drove myself crazy and ended up with PND, postnatal depression. I went to extreme lengths and tried everything possible to keep my baby, but to no avail. Still recovering. And uh, finally, from Jackie and Chesham, Chesham, women should ignore the breastfeeding mafia. They should do what they feel comfortable with and should not feel failures. Now, all this week, we've been talking about the funding crisis facing elderly care. With more people living longer and budgets budgets being squeezed, councils are having to look at cheaper alternatives to care homes, such as retirement villages. Lovett Fields in Milton Keynes is a so-called retirement village, which is home to 340 residents aged over 55 who live independently. Our reporter, Tony Fisher, spoke to Peter, a resident there. We had a, a property and moved up uh, and were able to sell our own property just recently in Stanley Stratford so that we were able to make the purchase here. And it was our idea to make a purchase, not to rent. And why, why, why that decision? I think it's probably the uh, reason we bought, as, as everybody does, to have a freehold, pro- a freehold, although this is not. This is a long, long lease. Oh, so what happens at the end? I mean, you know, uh, obviously... Well, we like Can end. you sell it on eventually, or how no. does it work? Um, there are two of us, and one of us is going to die. And we like the idea of being able, for that remainder, to be able to stay here um, in our own property. And uh, with the knowledge that when that last person died, it would, the capital sum would go to our our children. And it is established what that sum will be. Um, but that's our decision. Okay, joining me now in the studio is the Partnership Director of the Extra Care Charitable Trust, John Payne. Good morning, John. Good morning. Your company runs retirement villages like this this one in Milton Keynes. Just explain how they operate, because you can rent or be a leaseholder, is that right? Yeah, and just to help you, we're a charitable trust, um, and we actually run two schemes, uh, two villages in Milton Keynes, and that's Lovett and Shenley Wood. Mm-hmm. And yes, the options are available that you can... Uh, rent you can buy on a leasehold basis as was in your vox pops or you can do a combination of both you can rent a bit and and buy a bit and i thought your piece actually covered it quite well in the sense that the number one issue uh, as you get that little bit older Mm. is you worry about your future you worry about your health you worry men particularly from our knowledge worry about leaving the woman alone Mm. um, because they tend to die younger than women and so they're trying to make decisions and i think it's good to see it's about baby boomers the rise of 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 older people and the numbers of older people and the frailty of older people going forwards to make a decision about managing their care in the best way they feel they can so uh, being in control of your future and, and making decisions is an important thing what other benefits are there of places like this 
Oh, yeah, that, 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 they're huge in the sense that it provides loads, lots of communal facilities, about mm. three million pounds worth of communal facilities. So it offers people a real chance to get out and enjoy life. I think, uh, um, particularly as you get into your 80s, there's a sense of being trapped behind your front door rather than feeling out and engaged and involved. And we get lots of our residents saying, hey, this is really great. You know, my sons and daughters never know when to ring me because I'm always out doing something, yep. whether it's walking, whether it's uh, in a carol uh, event yesterday, whether it's... Hang on, sorry, carols? Yeah, well... In October? Well, we, we have to practice for, for okay. late, later on, but it's, yes, it's a choir when they do all sorts of, okay. uh, they do all sorts of things, whether it's using the internet, lots of active engaging involvement which actually can release you a bit in the sense that um, my old next door neighbor was somewhat trapped in his home home at 80 and if you're particularly if you're a woman if you want to go to a bar you can't exactly stroll down to the local pub at 80 and because uh, you're not quite sure who might be there yep. that, that comes from research that we did at our project in berry hill so it gives you an opportunity to get out and make friends and see people and that bit that was in that piece around wanting to be clear about what your future is particularly mm. for your wife makes a, a kind of releases people to get on with living life to years not years to life you're right it's interesting because you do hear from uh, we, we hear on this show and in other places from from older people that uh, a lot of their time is spent worrying about the future for them for their partners with the, how they're going to be financially looked after and i guess this just takes away that big fear it starts to take away the big right. fear, I think. It, it provides the base. Yep. Um, you can move into one of our projects, Lovett or Shenley, with minimal uh, savings or minimal uh, pensions. Mm. Uh, it's not a place for the ultra-rich. So if you then need care to help you on this area, then then you may get help from social services uh, to fund that care. If you're, if you're a little bit wealthier, you wouldn't then get that help. You have to pay for it yourself. And so what we've been looking at ourselves is a Care for Life product in which people can pay some capital up front mm. and pay some upon death, effectively, when they move out so what, what to are pay the for costs? their care. How, how, let's talk numbers. Come on. Let's talk numbers. Um, well, it depends what age you are. Yeah. But if, I talk, if, if you paid about... 25,000 up front mm. and about £1,100 a year or roll that up and pay that upon your death, which mm. would be about £1,300 a year we the trust are saying at about seventy-five, we will fund your costs come what may mm. uh, my gran lived to 106 Wow. Wow. <laughs> so imagine a 75 year old 106 um, and, and that's an inflation proof idea too so right. so we've wrapped up the cost of inflation and said let's see how we can try and make this work for people and we're busily selling that um at uh, shenley wood our first project that we sold that out and, and we're now going on to a scheme in birmingham called uh, hagley road mm. because people want if they can to if you like settle their lives in the way that was being described so that they know what all their costs are going to be and how they're going to manage their care mm. do you think that the, the places like this we're running out of time so final question yeah. that places like this could be a solution for the we're growing older and living longer and there are more and more older people there's a lot more of us and with age uh, comes greater levels of frailty mm. it is one important solution mm. it's not the whole solution some people want to stay at home most people do actually stay at home but in terms of a vibrant lifestyle and making active choices it's a great place to go fantastic well listen best of luck with it uh it sounds very exciting uh, john payne the let me get your t- what a long title you've got partnership director of the extra care charitable trust thank you very much for coming in thank you across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio
The last 30 minutes of the show, you can still get in touch if you want, 08459 455 555. Lots coming up, uh, including, is football too expensive for you? Remember the other day, we spoke to um, that football fan who was in Poland, he was stuck, didn't have anywhere to to stay, but was going to stick around for the match. We find out what happened to him, and Justin Daly is discovering if he has what it takes to be a spy. I don't think he has. Now, you may find rude. (laughs) He can't hear me, can he? No, I don't think so. You may find that it's just too expensive to go to the football. The average cost of the cheapest adult ticket in the top four divisions has risen by more than 11%. That's according to figures compiled by BBC Sport. In the three counties, though, the picture is slightly different and a little bit more optimistic. The most expensive ticket to see the MK Dons has gone down by £2. The cheapest ticket at Wickham went up by £2, but the cost of tea has gone down by 50 pence. So you have four cups of tea, you're breaking even, I think. Uh, at Watford, tickets are the same price as last year. £26 for the cheapest and £31 for the most expensive. We can speak now to our reporter, Ben Smith. Morning, Ben. Good morning. Now, looking at the national figures, what trends have you discovered? Well, you know, outside of the three counties, which you really are bucking the trend, it's one of the few uh, few areas I've spoken to this morning that I can say that about. Mm. Uh, outside of your area, we've seen that prices in football really are on the rise, unfortunately. Uh, football fans are feeling the pinch like never before. Um, and we're, we're finding that, you know, the price of going to football is up by about 11% uh, across the board in the last 12 months, which is something that isn't easy for football fans to stomach. I would guess, because the, the football, the, the amount of money that football players gets paid, that's got to be putting the price up. People must be angry, surely, that they're, they're, they're putting their hard-earned cash into the pockets of millionaires. I think people find it very hard to to stomach and understand it's uh, it's something we've seen across all the divisions. You know, uh, wage bills are on the up and, and clubs are doing everything they can to make themselves as competitive as possible on the field. And and obviously those costs have got to be passed and covered somehow. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the time that is uh, that is in the man in the street ends up paying for that. And now there's, there's a slight dilemma here. You want the best players playing for your club. And so th- to some extent, you're willing to pay for that. But obviously not all costs and and you know suddenly the price of football and how much it costs to the game is becoming a real factor in people's decision making ben as you, as you said we, we are kind of bucking the trend here in in the three counties and we've seen that even some of the food and the drinks prices of football grounds have decreased how does that compare nationally again it's something it's <laughs> i'm not sure what it is about the three counties <laughs> but you got you you really are someone's had a chat down there and said come on boys let's sort this out and you know even as you say wickham cutting their their tea by 50p is, is not something we're really seeing anywhere else it's uh you know in manchester manchester city and manchester united are charging two pounds 50 for a cup of tea which is uh, the most you'll find anywhere in british football but you know somehow wickham are finding it you know there that they want to pass that saving on to the fans and they deserve credit for doing that two pounds 50 for a cup of tea incredible isn't it and, and you can go to Kidderminster. Kidderminster will charge you four pounds for their pie. Now I am assured it is a, a, the king of football pies, but it's still an awful lot of money to to pay for a pie at a game of football. Where's where's the cheapest cup of tea and, and, and pie? Do you do you know that Ben? Maybe we should big up the place that is the cheapest. <laughs> yeah, you can go to to the Scottish Second Division uh, to Breakin, where you will pay fifty p for that cup of tea. And, I'm there, and they deserve <laughs> they deserve credit. And and essentially, it's the same thing you're getting in a polystyrene cup, a little bag, you know, a tea bag, and a, and a bit of hot water. You know, it's the same product, and yet the price is uh, is amazingly different. That's tea. Now, is football becoming a more expensive day out for the family? 
It is. You know, clubs are doing their best to try and uh, attract fans and families. They realise that, you know, in the future, the next 20 years, they want to be bringing in the next generation of fans, and that means attracting kids. And so we've seen a lot of clubs try to attract them with uh, with family price t- season tickets. You know, kids at Premier League games now are being allowed in for £99 for a season ticket, which is a really attractive offer. Um, and obviously, it's a struggle for, for fathers to take... Fathers and mothers to take daughters and sons is something that, you know, was once something that people just did, and now it's something that people have to think about. Can we afford it? But clubs realise that they need to get those people in the gates young, attract them, make sure they're fans for, for years to come. And so they're trying their best to do that. Ben Smith, thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Breastfeeding. Martin on Twitter. You can tweet either at Ian Lee or at BBC 3CR. Breastfeeding in public should be outlawed. If I see a woman doing it in my local calf, it puts me right off my chips. Uh, um, on the email, uh, Carol says, I found feeding the first baby hard as I got the wrong advice. Feed every four hours. Went to a bottle in the end and felt guilty. This is the common thing, that going to the bottle has, uh, has made you feel guilty. Second baby was great and weaned himself off the breast at 11 months. By the way, some babies are born with teeth. What? No. Really? Yeah. Julie says, I breastfed all three of mine for 12 months. My family never wanted me to breastfeed any of them. They made me feel it's wrong. And uh, we have an anonymous text here. I breastfed for 10 months. I only stopped as I had to return to work. The midwives in my area arranged for breastfeeding mums to talk to expectant mums. I did this twice and was totally honest about how I found it. I found that the health visitors in our area were very supportive if you were having issues. But I don't think that many had issues. Um, Paul is in Biggleswade. Paul. Ian, good morning to you. Morning, boss. What's your, your take on breastfeeding? Um, I think, I think that, uh, that, uh, it's a woman's choice, obviously, mm. but, but I want to actually stick up in favour of bottle feeding. Um, both of my two kids were bottle fed. They, the first one was attempted to be put to the breast, but it was all too traumatic and too difficult. So, uh, they were both bottle fed, but the very good thing about bottle feeding is that fathers can do it. Nobody's said that so far yet. Fathers can do it. Well done you. There's an excellent point that I had neglected to make. As I said, we struggled with our first boy, uh, and we had to uh, feed him with a little um, syringe. It it took took forever. But it meant that we could alternate. So my wife would do one feed, I'd do the next. And when we had our second boy, and he did breastfeed, I was kind of thinking, there's something... I'm not feeling as close to number two as I felt to number one. And after a while, it dawned on me, it's because... I wasn't having to help feeding him. And I was missing out on that great experience of... There's there's nothing better, I found, than sitting there with a baby, he's looking up at you, you're looking down at him, and you've got a bottle in his mouth. It's wonderful as a dad, isn't it, Paul? You're absolutely right, Ian. And that's the point that I think everybody's missed out on. And I think that's very, very important, is that fathers do it. And and come to that, as I am now, grandfathers as well. Hang on, uh, you sound like a young man. How old are you? Oh, you, you smooth-talking DJ, yeah, you. So listen, <laughs> some oh, hang on, that laugh does sound like the, the cackle of an older man, so you've... you've uh, <laughs> 54, 54, oh, mate. Still, still a young guy. Hey, what a great age to be a granddad, though, cause you, you, you've still just got, got just enough puff to run around with the, the nippers. 
<laughs> it does take a bit of uh, keeping up with them. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, just slightly uh, off subject. Uh, well done. Well done on making breakfast programs uh, as they should be on Three Counties Radio. Paul, it's an it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, and by that, if you mean shambolic uh, and full of gaps and pauses, then yes, that's my mission. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed. Thank you, Paul. It's true though that the not the the, the uh, you know, but about the the, the breast for the bottle feed. It means that dads kind of, they, they have this extra input. They bond. It's wonderful. Holding a baby and just you've got that eye contact and they're staring at you as you hold that bottle. Making that noise. It's a fantastic thing. Thank you, Paul, for highlighting that. Uh, Eric from St Albans. Good morning, young man. How are you? Oh, listen, you you were all flirting with me this morning. <laughs> I'm in a good mood now. What can I do for you, Eric? Yeah, with regards to this breastfeeding Taliban, as, they, as my wife calls them. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, breastfeeding can be but good if, of course, you can do, uh, you can breastfeed. Mm. There are lots of women that cannot breastfeed, so therefore they have to use alternatives. Now, did you know that there is an EU and government directive um, basically stating, for example, if you go to certain su- certain supermarkets which give loyalty points, they cannot give those loyalty points on that product. Is that true, really? That is wow. true. Uh, wow. So therefore they are penalised. And also, it means that the grandparents are penalised. You know, because, I mean, obviously the grandparents do have the children. Yep. Uh, illness, hmm. where they can't, um, can't uh, the mother can't breastfeed, so the grandparents or someone else has to uh, feed them. Hmm. So, you know, they're penalised both ways. We've had a couple of experts on the line who've all, se- and maybe I've, I've misread them, but they've all seemed to kind of turn their noses up when I've suggested that either some mums can't breastfeed or some babies don't want to be breastfed. Correct. I mean, my wife tried breastfeeding with my daughter and it made her ill. Mm. Uh, and actually gave her mastitis. Right. So obviously she couldn't breastfeed. And she felt uncomfortable. My daughter didn't want to, uh, to breastfeed either. So we had to um, use the bottle. But as you were saying, one of the other callers was saying, uh, a father can help. Mm. You get the the night feeds. Now, there's a lot of um, mothers that can't do the night feed. Mm. So the fathers can do it. So, I mean, if, if they're breastfeeding, they're stuck. Whereas if you're on the bottle or, or other, and there's a lot of mothers that cannot um, pump milk, you know, from that point of view, so you've got to have the other formulas, the fathers can do it. It helps the bonding. It's also suggested to me, and uh, we've noticed, noticed this, that, that um, the formula milk or the little cartons of milk, because they're a little bit fattier than breast milk, they can help the baby sleep through the night. They kind of knock them out a bit. Well, th- this is a, po- a point. I mean, obviously, if you if you get into a regular system with a baby, you have got to... You and the, the mother, more the mother, obviously, breastfeeding, has got to um, set up a, re- what's that, a regime, uh, a pattern of feeding. You cannot feed on demand mm. because a lot of mothers, and especially some of the people, as my wife calls them, the breastfeeding Taliban, say, oh, yes, feed on demand. No. It don't work like that. It's it not, you can't just turn it on. Because the mother is absolutely cream cracker during the day. Eric, very quickly, because we're running out of time. Uh, breastfeeding in public, yes or no? 
It depends how it's done. Go if on. it's done discreetly, yes. I mean, a lot of them slap out their breasts and say, I'm <laughs> breastfeeding. That is wrong. I've never seen anyone slap it out. Oh, yes. <laughs> really? Oh, yes. I'm coming to St Albans, Eric. <laughs> Thank you very much, Eric, from St Albans there. We've got 15 minutes if you want to give us a call. Uh, don't forget, Jonathan uh, will be on at nine o'clock and uh, asking, um, do you trust the police to be armed after this incredible story um, about a 61-year-old blind guy walking along with his white stick... Police thought it was a samurai sword. They thought it was a samurai sword. You know, those big, long, curved metal things. And tasered him. Incredible. Now, the government is launching an apprenticeship scheme for spies. The Foreign Secretary, William Haig, will give details of the plan during a visit to Bletchley Park today. While he's there, he'll also announce funding to help save some of the huts at Bletchley Park, where Alan Turing and other co-breakers worked during World War II. Our own spy, Justin Dealey, is outside the mansion now. Justin. Oh, Justin, are you there? Justin disappeared. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. He's been abducted by the Russians. The Chinese have got him, for goodness sakes. He's been taken out of action. Either that, or he's simply fallen for a honey trap. It's always, it's always a possibility. He might have seen a sexy Russian spy and been lured to his death. I do hope and pray that Justin Dealey has not been killed by a Russian spy. I, I seriously hope that he's not been killed by a Russian spy. Otherwise, that would be pretty tragic. Pretty ta- tragic. Tests are perhaps being done uh, on the uh, Milton Keynes uh, transmitters, which means that we might not be able to speak to him. Not quite such an exciting um, response, really, that some, some tests are being done on a bit of radio equipment. Anyway, we'll talk about that more in uh, a bit. Don't forget, you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. It's interesting, our last caller there, Eric, um, saying that uh, the, the breastfeeding in public is OK if they do it discreetly. I've not seen any women just whapping them out. Um, I've not seen seen that happening at all. I, I, most, I think most women are quite discreet about it. They tend to go and sit in the corner, or they have that little uh, uh, muslin cloth. Muslin, that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? They don't have a muslin cloth. They have a muslin cloth that they, they, they discreetly put over the breasts and the baby. But even if they do whap it out, is that, is that such a bad thing? Really? It's, it is the most natural thing in the world. Um... We've got a, a, a Facebook, a, a tweet here about breastfeeding from uh, Emma. First baby was fed for uh, 13 months, expect and, expecting the second any day, hope to breastfeed again. Expectation, it's easy, took a lot of pe- perseverance and painful. 13 months does seem a long time to keep breastfeeding, doesn't it? Really? I've heard of kids as old as three or four. There's something wrong with that. Now... Uh, we'll get, try and get back to Justin in a little bit, but uh, England's delayed game against Poland finally went ahead yesterday. England drew one all with Wayne Rooney scoring for England. If you remember, we spoke to Mark Napper, he's a football fan, who goes to all of the, uh, the England matches abroad when he can. He's from the England Supporters Club, he's from Hertfordshire. Uh, Mark, you were there for the first match that was rained off. Mark, yeah. you're there, can you hear me? You were there for the first um, yeah, match, yeah. That was, match that was rained off, uh, and then you had nowhere to stay the second day. Please tell me you found somewhere to stay in Poland. I did, luckily. Um, luckily, they, they moved somewhere at the hotel, and I was able to stay there um, last night, so uh, That's uh, okay. that wasn't too bad, thank what, God. Was, but, it, was it worth the wait? Was, was, was the game any good? Um, it went to hell, um, it was great in the first half, well not great, but it was okay in the first half and we gradually got worse. And the second half, England were appalling. So, uh, we, we, we looked as though we were the only team that wanted to lose. 
and um, they they wanted to win all the time. They, they kept attacking us, and, and we kept just going backwards. And it was, it was very very sad. I thought. So. Was it? Was it? Uh, 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 it must have been a frustrating experience then to to to, to have all of the palaver of finding somewhere to stay for an extra day, uh, all of the extra cost, and then the team kind of go and let you down a bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, that, that was the, the word in the pubs later on. You know, everybody was very, very disappointed. Um, and um, even all the um, all the other fans, they were saying to us, you know, why, why didn't you throw more forward all the time? Why didn't you attack? And we, we just don't know why they didn't. So, um, you know, so we've got the skill, um, but we just didn't seem to want to try that much. So. And you mentioned the pubs last night, Mark. Did you go out and have a few beers? Oh, we did, yep. May I ask how many beers you had? Quite a few. Yep. And what, and what, time, what time did you get back to the hotel? Um, pretty late, I suspect. So, um, the thing is, the, the, the great thing, the, the great thing is that um, everybody's, they really want to enjoy themselves. Yeah. They love playing England. It sounds like And they love did. playing um, play against England fans, so yeah. that's great. So. Okay, okay. And can I, ask you, can I ask you a personal question, Mark? Yeah. Are you still a little bit boozy this morning? I might be, yeah. I don't want to be rude, and I'm so appreciative of you coming on at this time of the day, but you sounded so much more lucid and with it when we spoke to you <laughs> the other day. You sound tired. You sound tired today, Mark, I think is the polite way of putting it. A, a bit tired, I think, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Listen, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate the time, Mark. Thanks a lot. No problem at all. Cheers. Mark Napper from the uh, England Supporters Club. He's from Hertfordshire, and it sounds like he's had a blooming good time in Poland. Good for you, Mark. Well done. If you listened to him the other day when we spoke to him, he sounded very very clear, very crystal clear in his thinking. Uh, this morning, a little bit fuzzy. Well done, you. Um, April is in Luton. April, how did you get on with breastfeeding? Uh, it was a total nightmare. Tell me why. He, uh, he just wouldn't latch on. I really struggled first two, three weeks by the third week and I ended up ringing the breastfeeding helpline and mm. somehow the person on the other end convinced me to just give it one more try. Yeah, yeah. And then somehow after that, it worked okay, but I returned to work after four and a half months. Right. And so kind of from about three and a half months, I started mixing between bottle and breast. And then by the time I got to four and a half months, he was all bottle. Yeah. Because I, I know that I'm allowed to express at work. Yeah. But in reality, it's not <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> what would happen? What do you mean with like a little pump or something or, 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 or taking the baby in? No, they, it, it's kind of suggested that you should take a pump in and, right. and still keep those regular times. Cause where, would you, where would you go and do that, though? I guess you'd well, have to go to the I'm toilet thinking. or something, would yeah. you? And that's not nice. No. No one wants their lunch prepared in a toilet. No. And what, would have been, what do you think would have been the reaction at work if you had have done that? There would have been some really strange looks. Mm. I work in a very male-orientated environment. You would have got all the jokes and all of the digs and all of that nonsense oh, yeah. that, that we as modern men like to think we're above. But to be honest, we're not. No, no. Uh, and we, I have heard it suggested uh, from other people that um, if you don't breastfeed in public, go and do it in the toilet. Oh, no, no, that's just, that's just very wrong. I mean, I did breastfeed my son in public. Yeah. But you can make it very discreet. I mean, I took him to a restaurant. He was five days old and I breastfed yeah. at a restaurant at five days old. And the restaurant I went to were very nice. And I'm lucky that all of the places I've been to have always been very good. Mm. I have heard of other mums 
that have had problems. And I actually, whilst I was with the mums, because you know you mix with mums when you're a new mum. Yeah, one of the, the mums actually had a three-year-old daughter still breastfeeding. Ooh. April, I'm going to say it. That is wrong. It did feel strange to me to see that. Oh, because also at that age, they're going to remember that. They're going to they their memory is kicked in, and they will remember that. You shouldn't have to remember suckling on your mother's breast. She used to ask for booby. <laughs> April, thanks very much for calling. I think. Thank you. There we go. She used to ask for booby. <laughs> I can see Jonathan laughing at that. We've all asked for booby, haven't we? In our time. No, well, not all of us. Some of us have. Uh, um, uh, right, let's um, see what's going on. Ah, yes, the apprenticeship scheme for spies. We're back on this. The Foreign Secretary, William Hague, will give details of the plan during a visit to Bletchley Park today. He'll also talk about how some funding is going to be g- given to Bletchley Park to help uh, save some of the huts. Ian Standen is Chief Executive of the Bletchley Park Trust. Morning, Ian. Good morning. What exactly is happening today, then? Well, the Foreign Secretary is coming down here. He's going to make a number of announcements about the uh, government's cyber agenda, um, launch a number of initiatives down here, and use Bletchley Park as a backdrop to inspire new generations. So he's actually going to be uh, announcing schemes to train spies. How exciting. Uh, very, very exciting. I mean, I think you know, Spies is, is slightly fanciful. It's about people working in intelligence industry and intelligence business um, and working for the government in those areas. So he's after recruiting people with the right sort of background, so particularly mathematicians and those sort of people um, who can work in the more technical sides of the business. Yes, I, I doubt that, that William Hague will be using the word spies today. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect that won't be as part of his, his speech. Um, and what's happening with the funding? Where, where, what are you going to get and where's that going? Do you know? Well, at the moment, we, as, as you're probably aware, we've now got a, a Heritage Lottery grant, um, which we unpicked with some match funding earlier on this year, and we're busy moving out now in terms of restoring the buildings. Mm. Um, you won't see much when you come down here at the moment, but early part of next year when the building work starts, it'll be a flurry of activity with um, some of the wooden huts being restored and one of the bigger um, brick and steel buildings being turned into a, um, a visitor centre, which, with our ever-increasing numbers, um, is hugely important. How much is that going to cost and how long? do you think the work will take? It's about a £7.5 million project, and all being well with a fair wind and, and no hitches along the way, we'll have a what we term a soft opening at Easter 2014 with a, a proper um, opening, all being well, on the anniversary of D-Day in June uh, 2014. Well, so it's, it's, it's a, a big project, then. It's a lot of money, and that's quite a long time, isn't it? Uh, it, yeah, it's been about 18 months, but there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um, bear in mind, these buildings are very old. Um, they're all listed because of the, building, the activities that went on during the war, and therefore we have to be very careful about what we do. We can't uh, damage the buildings. We have to restore them sympathetically. And you mentioned visitor numbers are up. Business going well, is it? A lot of people Business coming along? Day. Business is going very well. We did 140,000 visitors last year, and wow. this stage this year we're about 25% up on, on the equivalent figures last year, so it's fantastic. And uh, as you know, we're open 361 days of the year, so if you haven't been down here, come down and see what's going on. And how did you, uh, having William Hay coming there and announcing, making all these announcements is, is a pretty big coup. How does that happen? Do you arrange that, or does he phone up and say, look, can I come down and uh, do a little speech? We have a... We have a a great network of, of people and friends and, and contacts, and we continue to use them all the time to, to bring in any influential people we can. As you're probably aware, we had Prince Andrew here earlier on this year yep. and various other folks, so it's, it's all great PR for the park. Uh, Ian, listen, best of luck. Thanks very much for coming on. 
Thank you very much. Ian Standing, Chief Executive of Bletchley Park Trust. Yes, I, I, I would be very surprised if William Hague today used the word spies as he announces the... It, it would be good if he did. It would be good if he dressed in, the, you know, in a, a tuxedo and he made a little bit of an entrance. He's kind of jazzed it up a little bit. This is what I think they need, these, these initiatives and these, um, these announcements. Pulled out his Walter PPK. We've got a, a tweet from Lisa Hunter. And you can follow at BBC3CR or you can follow me at Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E. Uh, Lisa paints uh, quite a disturbing image, it has to be said. Sunday, Morrison's, at the end of the till, on a seat, woman had her breasticle out, feeding. Discreet, please. Breasticle. I like that. Right, I'm off. Back tomorrow at six. I'm just going to go ask for some booby. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is up next. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good grief. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. 